Thanks for tuning in. This is Love What I Love, the podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Masha. And Andy. And this week, we're talking about Grease. is a musical rom-com that follows a group of teenagers during their senior year at Rydell High School, centering around greaser Danny Zuko and good girl Sandy Olsen, who are unexpectedly reunited after a romantic fling during the summer of 1958. That's pretty good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Grease stars John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, Jeff Conaway, Stalker Channing, and Dee Dee Khan. With supporting actors that include Jamie Donnelly, Dina Manoff, Barry Pearl, Michael Tucci, and Kelly Ward. Jeez, you went deep. I mean, everybody's so good. This is such an ensemble movie, even though it clearly revolves around two leads. And I just, I feel like I have to mention everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean? Go for it. So Grease is based on a musical of the same name. The musical debuted in 1971 and was originally a play. But this movie was directed by Randall Kleiser and adapted for the screen um, by Bronte Woodward. Woodard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was produced by Alan Carr and Robert Stigwood, choreographed by Pat Birch, and the DP was Bill Butler, who you, I don't know how closely you pay attention to your DPs, but he was the DP for Jaws. Oh, snap. For the three Rocky sequels. Nice. And The Conversation. Look at this guy. I know. What a beast. Yes. <laughs> and of course, costume design, we have to mention, give credit where credit is due, by Albert Walski. Songs by John Ferrer and music by Michael Gibson, because you can't have a musical without the music. That's true. <laughs> it's very simple science. Right from the get-go, I do have to apologize to everybody. I feel like this is going to be a long episode. Andy knows, but... I dived into research thinking that, you know, it would be like, if you're thinking about a pool, right? Like, I thought I was diving into, like, a four-foot pool. This was, like, a 50-foot, like, (laughs) Olympic medal pool, like, of research. I can't speak for the audience, (laughs) but I, for one, am glad that we're going to have a long episode that's not because of me, for (laughs) once, because I'm usually the one who gets super excited and gives you these two-hour-plus ones, but... Yeah, do you. Let's let's fucking go four hours on Grease. I mean, it's so freaking exciting because I obviously love this movie. Yeah. I was so excited to share it with you that I didn't even think about how much research would have to go into it. That it was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like forgot. I was like, oh, I haven't seen Grease in so long. So it's just. I mean, even the fact that it's a movie from the 70s and you love it. Yeah. say something because you don't even watch that many movies in the 70s let alone love them oh yeah so i just wanted to put that out there real quick before i dive into an insane amount of facts and trivia or whatever that's great <laughs> so greece was released in june of 1978 and ranked number two in its opening weekend behind jaws 2 <laughs> <laughs> to put you in the time period that's hilarious so this is where it gets crazy from here right uh-huh. This movie had a low budget of $6 million. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, The studio basically had no faith in producing musicals. I think this was the standpoint of all studios back then. Yeah, the 70s, we were gearing much more towards like kind of the new age of cinema. Mm. All these cool young directors of violence was finally starting to be allowed, really, like 
extreme de- depictions of it. So that's why we had r- everyone run rampant with our Coppolas and our Scorseses yeah. and our De Palmas. And everybody was looking for that gritty kind of dark side of filmmaking and that era in the 50s of big budget musicals, the MGM, the big dance numbers, you know, big colorful movies. I feel like those were gone in the mm-hmm. 70s. So I could see how this movie kind of filled the hole that they didn't even studio execs didn't even realize it was there obviously absolutely That's they did not um and i'll go into detail too on how because this movie went through a lot of hurdles to get made uh-huh. so just them being able to get six million dollars was a hassle wow but look what they made so it had a small budget of six million dollars and an opening weekend brought in under just under nine million dollars oh so it wasn't an, it wasn't a quick hit it's opening weekend oh oh, oh, oh my bad my bad I, for reason <laughs> I heard initial run no 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 sorry, no sorry 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 so after 66 days in the box office it grossed 100 million dollars <laughs> becoming paramount's second highest grossing film behind the godfather wow that's fucking crazy yep and yeah, 70s was a wild time for filmmaking. I'll just say that. Yeah. So it it ended up being the highest grossing film of that year in 1978. Nice. So I'm not even, I can't even stop there. So Grease Just gained... think about it. Star Wars was the year before. So think about how the movie oh, industry snap. was changing. And Jaws was five years before that. So Damn. we didn't, movies didn't make these kind of numbers before the Godfather, Jaws, Star Wars. And I guess this, fuck, I didn't even know. Yeah. I mean, before this, I think the, the previous two musicals that, the studio did were like dolly hey dolly and uh-huh. something else i forget what it was but okay. like they both failed basically yeah, yeah. greece ended up gaining a record for highest grossing musical breaking the sound of music's 13 year record wow it would hold that record up until 2012 when les miserables came out oh uh, snap the hugh jackman one yeah 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 i never saw that me neither I've it's because I don't want to cry. I've but. never seen any iteration of Les Mis- Miserables. Oh, yeah. Miserables. Yeah, <laughs> Follow to the letter your itinerary. This badge of shame will show it till you die. It warns you're a dangerous man. So get this. It's re-release. Grease's re-release 20 years later grossed $28 million. Jesus Christ. And to date, it's made $396 million. And its re-release is expected to bring it even more in 2028 for its 50th anniversary. Damn. Mm-hmm. That explains why every little girl that I grew up <laughs> with knew this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I was like, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. They re-released it. I think they did some like theater um, releases. So people were actually able to have that in-theater experience as well. Like drive-in events as cool. well. So like people would dress up like they would for like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, yeah. And come like, and, oh, I just, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fun. But just thinking like that this movie had a budget of $6 million and made 390 yeah. on top of it. Like I've been watching a ton of videos behind the scenes videos of executives talking about this movie and like the creators and they're like studios keep trying to replicate what this movie did for them because of how little they put in and how much they got out that like they've just been chasing this ever since yeah, it's, that's so, funny. <laughs> so i think that's that's pretty fun and you know it's credited for helping turn off the stink of producing musicals. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that you were like, "I want to predict what the Rotten Tomatoes." Oh uh, yeah, would and be. I made guesses yesterday. Yeah, so your guesses you predicted seventy five percent credits and eighty percent audience. I thought I said eighty five percent audience. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So sorry, you said seventy five percent critics and eighty five percent audience. Yeah. 
the actual, you are spot on for critics. Nice. 75%. Audience score of 87. Damn, I was close. You were so close. Damn. <laughs> That's fun. I'm going to do that for everyone now. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. But I, I found it hilarious because, you know, movies I love, I don't understand why they don't have 100%. So I f- was humored by... <laughs> How could you not understand that someone might not like something you like? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I was humored by the bad reviews. Oh, here we go. Like, people were you saying take, like... You take stuff like this so personally. <laughs> Even though you had nothing to do with this movie. No, you know what? (laughs) You know what? (laughs) The thing is, and that's why I love this podcast, because like, even if you don't like something, you have valid reasoning as to why you don't like it. Yeah. I have a problem when people criticize something, but like, it's not based in anything. Oh, yeah. it's It's not based on like how creative or whatever like it's i don't know like yeah, it just so seems baseless like most 80% of the time 80 percent of all my arguments about movies with people yeah like this one like greece is simply mediocre full of broad high school humor flat dramatic scenes and lethargic pacing what do you, what movie did you watch <laughs> for real but to be fair though is that just a little clip on rotten tomatoes like the little bit yeah yeah yes. if whatever. you don't read their whole review i don't know if you could fairly I've, I've done that before where I've read that little sentence. I'm like, what does that mean? And then I've looked it up and then it's that same thing they do with reviews on the back of DVDs. They grab the... They, like, they grab like little bits of it to make... So if it's like... If they want to show you it's a bad review, they're going to take like the words in the right order. Uh, but in reality, it might not It might not be as bad. It might be. I'm just saying you should read mm. the whole review. Otherwise, you're kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, so Greece ended up being nominated for multiple Golden Globes, mm-hmm. including, you know, best musical, actor, actress, original song for uh, You're the One That I Want. And it got an Oscar nom for Hopelessly Devoted as an original song. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Wait, I didn't know that. Was, what, what, what part was that? That was Olivia Newton-John solo um, oh, okay. when she was at the sleepover and yeah, she yeah. goes out. But just going to wrap it up with, you know, this album was the best-selling album of the year. Or, the sorry, the second best-selling album of the year right behind Saturday Night Fever. Oh, which wow. also starred John Travolta. Travolta. So this was his year for sure. It was, it was his decade. He was a god of his decade. <laughs> that is true. I want to know, Andy, mm-hmm. what what did you know about Greece? How what were your feelings around Greece, the musical? So yeah, I'd never seen it before we watched it for this. And by seen it, I mean like sat down, started it, watched the entire movie, and then got to the credits. Honestly, before we watched it, I would have said I've seen most of the dance numbers, but there's a lot, and I definitely didn't see most of them. Nice. So, I got worried about that. Yeah, I pretty much, I fully knew Summer Lovin', the We Stand Together, Shabbity Banga Bang song. Yep. And uh, I've seen the hand jive, and I want to say that's like it, maybe? So yeah, there were plenty of songs I didn't know. Um, Turn up. But it's actually pretty funny. I do remember the first time kind of Greece ever even entered my life, which is weird. I don't normally have these kind of memories. Whoa. But I, I want to say fourth grade, could have been third grade, real young in elementary school. We did a play and I barely remember what the play was, but it had to do with these astronauts going like to Mars and then meeting these Martians and they don't get along and then they learn to like, everybody should get along. Mm-hmm. Very like elementary school, you know kind of play what what were you in the play i didn't do i was just in the chorus of one of the songs i, I was like i'm not acting so <laughs> everyone had to participate so if you didn't want to be in it you just were like in like one song song number got it so 
at the end of the play when the when we all like make up and stuff everybody does the hand jive and sings the last song from Greece. Oh, wow. And so I remember they printed out the lyrics and like gave them to us and they're like, these are what you guys are going to be singing. And, you know, I'm like seven, eight years old. And like, I still remember, like I was already me at that age. Like I remember just reading these things and being like, we come together, shama lama banga fanga man. Like just being like, <laughs> what like someone wrote this and then i remember like because i never heard it i didn't ever know what any of this was and then like i just like remember like turning to like the closest kid in my class who was who was a girl in the class just to like be like you see this like like you guys see what they got is look how stupid this is and i just remember her just getting so serious and being like you don't know what this is oh my god this is from greece and like and then just like fucking like went off about how greece was the greatest thing and then like all these like like i just remember like all of a sudden everybody was like and i just like turned around everyone knew it was from greece except for me and i was just like what the fuck and like all the girls were like, and then so like it just stuck in my head where i was just like i guess shamalama dangalang is, is from something that's really fucking good oh that's so funny and then so i remember yeah then we learned the hang hand drive and sang in our like martian makeup and shit Okay, one, that's adorable. <laughs> Second, I feel like this is an origin story of Andy facts. Like, from that day on, you were like, I will know every movie facts <laughs> ever. That, that little girl's never going to get me again. <laughs> that's your origin story. I do know that's from Greece, even if I haven't seen it. That's so funny. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. That is such a clear memory. I love that. <laughs> she was just like, I, I just don't remember just ready to be like shitting on this. Be like, you at least a fucking adult wrote this like you know <laughs> so did you ever have any intention of watching this movie nah mm. you know and then as i got older i just like you know, how do you not figure out what greece is you know i've seen mm. john travolta i mean as a kid i watched all those like i love the 70s i love the 80s that's the fun vh1 yeah so i remember the greece section was huge like as i've seen all that and, like I, I don't even know who olivia newton john is outside of this movie and mm. I know exactly who she is, and I've never <laughs> seen this movie. So, like, that's how big this is. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, Livy Newton-John from Greece. I couldn't tell you another movie she's ever been in. Xanadu. Oh, snap. I never I saw think. that either. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I never saw it because, hey, you know, I've said it before on this where, like, on its own, I don't just, like, check. I'm not, like, excited on paper by the word musical. Like, if you're just like, this thing is a musical, I'm not going to be like, cool, I'll watch it and then figure out what it's about. Right. I got to I gotta be roped into it or something. It's got to have, like, a hook that I like. Um, and it's so funny because I end up liking a lot of musicals I watch, you know, but I just like, I'm not, I just don't go <laughs> look for them on my own. Right. So yeah, I just never thought I would watch it. Um, and then as time went on, I just always, in my mind, the way I looked at this movie was it was just like a cornier kind of glossier version of stuff like American Graffiti, which would become Happy Days, which was also corny on its own, but mm. mostly American Graffiti. Like, one of these things made in the 70s, looking back at 50s nostalgia. Oh, shit, even, like, The Outsiders. Like, that was a book, but it was still looking back on, on right. the old days. And those were always about kind of, like, a little more rough and tumble. So, from the outside, to me, Greece was always just, like, the safe version of that. <laughs> so, I just didn't want to watch it because, to me, it looked like it was going to be, like, corny. Super corny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um and then that's where we ended up that's very exciting to yeah. hear uh -huh. cool it's funny that you mentioned you know how you thought it was going to be corny because the creators of the musical jim jacobs and warren casey uh -huh. had the exact same fear that uh -huh. their musical which was actually like very raunchy their stage play and the musical that it became, you know, a lot of critics were like, this is a little like too out there because, you know, they tackle stuff like teen pregnancy and, 
you know, just women's roles, being a teen and being into sex, like they wanted that part of their story to stay relevant. And they were involved in the early stages of the making of this movie, but they started to get really concerned and like how campy it seemed to be to be transforming into. (laughs) So there actually came to a point where, you know, they were going back and forth to Paramount Studios during the development of this movie. And at one point, Jim Jacobs went to Paramount Studios, you know, drove into the parking lot and they were like, sorry, you're not on the list. So they actually like cold blooded kicked wow. them out of Just they were the like, making. Because they were interjecting too much? Yeah, I think they, you know, the director and Paramount Studios, they wanted to do their own thing. Wow. Um, and I think that, you know, their hesitation with how, what it was becoming, just they didn't like the clash. So they were like, you know what? We have the rights. Like, we're going to just go with our thing. Yeah. So uh, I just found that funny that you said that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I just, I mean, I'll, I'll let you know how as we go on with it. But yeah, like going into it, I just thought it was going to be like the kids version of the thing I already like. Totally. So it was, it was fun to see how it held up. The actual movie held up to that notion. Totally. But for you, Masha, where, what's your history with uh, good old Greece? Uh, well. My get. <laughs> I honestly have to give credit to my mom for having a major crush on John Travolta (laughs) for being the reason why I know of this movie and John Travolta at all. (laughs) She freaking loved him and not going to lie, I ended up loving him too. (laughs) One of like the three guys that my mom and I both have a crush on, you know, like how can you not? (laughs) Who else? else? Um, I think you said one on this before, but I can't remember. Yeah. Freaking Patrick Swayze, of course. Fuck, I have a I want to say Idris Elba. Who did, didn't you say she loved like Steven Seagal or some weird shit? No, she loves Ke- Kenny Rogers. Oh yeah, that's the weird one. <laughs> <laughs> she freaking loves Kenny Rogers. Oh, and she also loves. He's uh, not one of the guys that you two both like. No, hot. <laughs> no. <laughs> she also loves Sean Connery. That's great. <laughs> she freaking loves him. That's that's the only reason why I know of James Bond, like the original that's James so Bond. Funny. <laughs> But yeah, my mom loved John Travolta, so I think that she ended up like renting this movie. And I, I love music. Like our, our, I, I've mentioned it on the podcast before. I have a very musical family, so the idea of musicals just, I love it. Yeah. Like, so Grease is right up my alley from the get go. And of course, the whole like romantic storyline between Danny Zuko and Sandy, yeah. like I'm all in for. It. <laughs> yeah, this is a hundred percent. Got all your. The ingredients yeah. for a Marshall movie. And I think because I saw this at a very young age, I think it made me very excited about what high school could be. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I wanted to be a part of the group, like, the Pink Ladies. Like, I wanted to go to prom and, like, have, like, this crazy dance. You know? Like, <laughs> I... This was very aspirational in to, to what high school could be. Which is very strange because it's about the 50s. Like, <laughs> just... And it's camp. Beyond right. Camp. Like, there's no way it's <laughs> anything like real life. I know. <laughs> so, again, these this podcast has been really analyzing the movies that I love and how it shaped me as a person. Uh-huh. Like, what I took in as like true, like genuine, like oh, this could be high school. Like, that's so. Funny. Come on, Masha. like that's, that's where the corn comes from. <laughs> if anybody was wondering. So <laughs> yeah, I I love this movie from the start. <laughs> I did the choreography in my room while I watched it. I've watched it a million times. I could, 
I could, I wanted to like say everything. I wanted to sing along everything while we were watching this movie, but I held myself back <laughs> so you could take it in for what it is. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, I really don't have that much to say other than I was in a production of Grease the Musical when I was in middle school. Whoa, who are you? I was in the chorus, <laughs> but it's actually pretty funny because I was good friends with these two girls, they were twin sisters, and their Jewish community center, the JCC, was doing a production of Grease, uh -huh. and I would go over their house all the time, and they were like, Masha, like, our JCC is doing a production of Grease, do you want to audition? I was like, sure, so I was the only black girl in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, because I think I saw one black guy in the entire movie in one of the songs, yeah. so I was like, were they, were they, you could be that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think one other girl from our middle school was also in it. I think Abby was friends with her at the time. So like it was just like a weird combination of us in the chorus and their brother was actually Danny Zuko. Oh, so he was snap. the lead. So yeah, that was that was pretty fun and it's an experience that I know is on tape, so I'm curious to watch oh, it again. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Track that down. Oh my god. Oh, we'll start a Patreon just for that. <laughs> 10 bucks you can watch my shit. Uh, but yeah, the the memories that stick out to me are beauty school dropout because I remember like we were basically wearing pillowcases for that, you know, like all the white. Oh, anyway. yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a fun experience. But yeah, I, I performed in a production of Grease at the Providence JCC. That's great. <laughs> awesome. And that's really all about that with my history. Awesome. I learned so much that I'm probably not going to remember to mention things unless you ask me about them. Nice. So. <laughs> All right. I mean, off the bat, all my initial questions you answered in your intro, because I was just curious to where it was adapted from and mm. all that. So all my initial questions were basically about the pre-production of all this. Totally. Which you kind of covered. And the rest of mine, uh, I can kind of pepper them in as we go through the story. Okay. Um, so unless you have some any, any more background on the making of it that you want to share before we go into the story? Go oh, totally. It. I am happy to. <laughs> so like I mentioned, Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey wrote the original and it's really Jim Jacobs kind of pulled what uh, what's his name did for Dazed and Confused. Linklater? Yeah. He basically wanted to pay tribute to the 50s and dedicate this to, you know, the working class youth subculture of the greasers. So yeah. that's why it's called Grease. It actually blows my mind that the play was before American Graffiti. Mm. I just would have so assumed this was... When like did over, American Graffiti come out? I want to say 73? Oh, interesting. Early 70s for sure, but not like not like the first year. Right. Because um, Happy Days was right after that, and that was like mid-70s. So. Yeah. But yeah, so I, just, I would have assumed that Grease would have been a reaction to that, uh. but that could just be me. Like, you know, thousands of movies are coming out at that time. It's just... Well, I think it was... I mean... It's funny that you say that, too, because I feel like for someone like Jim Jacobs, this is a nostalgia film, right? Yeah. What he had mentioned in an interview was that he really wanted to have a bright light, something fun for people to reminisce about. Because during this time, you know, we're in the Vietnam War, civil rights movement, like everything was really dark. Yeah. It was like 2020, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or worse. But I mean, he wanted to create something fun that people could like look back on, um, which I didn't really realize that I, people I, would need. Yeah, I like that. I guess the reason I just thought it was uh, it made a response was because... I didn't know how campy this movie was going to be going into it. Mm -hmm. And we were like halfway through. And then I started, I was like, is this like not even camp? Is this like a straight up parody film? <laughs> Where I thought it was like, like, like and I, mean, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like there's so much comedy and everything's played so over the top that I thought it was 
like let's do american graffiti and happy days but like make it as goofy as possible mm-hmm. like silly over the top like so I, I just thought it was like like it was almost a parody of the thing those things. Yeah. But now to know that the play was made before those even came into existence. Right. It kind of changes my perception on that. But the filmmakers, like you said, kicked those guys out of the production. So yeah. By by the time they were making it, those move that movie and that show were incredibly popular. So I could see kind of a mix of both. Yeah. My theory and what you're telling and me. What it ended up becoming was you know the. The actors and the director really worked closely together. Like the actors had so much energy that they did kind of bring that more campinessness to it. Yeah. So it kind of ended up, they kind of ended up meeting in the middle there with how out there and like energetic they were. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a combination of all those things. I haven't seen the play or the s- stage musical besides the production that I was in. So I can't really like speak too much to that. Okay. And the two producers who are really responsible for bringing this to the big screen are Alan Carr and Robert Stigwood. Mm -hmm. Alan is really, all the cast members address him as being the driving force uh, for Grease, the motion picture. He was just so passionate and him and Robert saw uh, John Travolta in the TV show that he was in. Um, I forget what it was called. Welcome back, Cutter. Yes. They saw him and they were like, that guy is a star. Okay. And uh, what month is this for her? <laughs> what month is this for her? The same month that it is for you and me. No, 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 no. I mean, how many months has mother been pregnant? Who said my mother was pregnant? <laughs> Face. My mother ain't been pregnant since she had me. Then she figured why tamper with success. So what they ended up doing is approaching him and giving him a three-picture deal with Paramount. And of that three-picture deal, it was Saturday Night Fever, Grease, and Moment by Moment. I haven't heard of the third one, but those mm-hmm. first two alone. That's, yeah. That's, you can't ask for a better <laughs> deal as, a, as an actor. Right. So that was really the beginning of that relationship. So and like, oh my God, they got me on a contract. <laughs> um, Sandy, and and at it? the time too, you know, that was the time where they were like, TV actors can't be movie stars. Yep. People thought they were crazy for trying to put him and make him a movie star. Yeah. But they were like, he's undeniably a star. It's so funny that like, there's a million examples of the, of people like you know Robin Williams is a TV star. Right. Like I I'd have to think about it, but I'm just thinking in the 70s, like a lot of TV stars became. But then again, there were people like you know like the Jeffersons, like Sherman Helmsley didn't really become a movie. St- you know, yeah. so I guess there were a lot of cases of what you could be as successful as you want on TV, but they weren't going to give you a chance. A, yeah, as to lead a movie, you might get a role, but yeah, unless it's a hit, and then yeah, it's like oh, of course, we always thought that he'd be a yeah. movie star. Um, but the the way that the director, Randall Kleiser, got on is he actually directed John Travolta in The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that at A all. little bit, but I've never seen it. But oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, like, I've heard of it. So John Travolta at the time had what he refers to. I quote him in saying he had a lot of clout. Uh-huh. I, I find it funny that he said that. Um, but he's he was like... I've worked with Randall. He's great. I trust him to do Grease. I think you guys should consider him. And that's how Randall essentially got the role as director. Nice. That's awesome. And that's not the first time John Travolta will pull that card, that clout card. Uh-huh. So I am i can't wait to tell you more about that later on. Right. But a little bit about the director as well. You know, he, this was his feature film debut and he was only 30 years old. Uh-huh. Like he he had done TV before this. But like the fact that this is your first at 30 
I I find insane. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know by by seventy standards. Oh, I guess. By the time you hit thirty, you're halfway done, and I felt like like you know you were like that's true. You were like a has been by fifty, no matter what yeah. you were doing. And he took many liberties with this musical, um, which I'll mention throughout while we're talking about it. But one of them being right off the bat is that this play originally took place in Chicago. They ended up changing it to like being in like an L.A. I think it helps with like that whole summer vibe anyway and makes it more lighthearted. And he... Yeah, what the hell? A Chicago summer? It doesn't even sound like... <laughs> well, I don't even think that the original took place in summer. Like, I think that was some of the liberties that they took. You I, know what I mean? Wow. All right, now I'm curious because the whole story is about what happened at summer. Like, it's like a whole story. It's like <laughs> something happened during the summer and now we're dealing with it. Yeah, I mean, they weren't at the beach. They were... It was like urban Chicago. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I like the colors and the and the Cadillacs. Right. And the, so I think they made some good choices the palm here. Trees and shit. And he changed the high school to be like more like his high school experience, but like he he basically replicated it after his high school Rander High in um the suburbs of Philly. He I like that he made it his own and and you know, he would go on to direct more films like, you know, The Blue Lagoon, Summer Lovers. Honey, I blew up the kid. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know that one. I know Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, there's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Then the sequel is Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. And oh. then the third one is Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Oh, and I've seen that one. Yeah. How did I skip that? The Honey, blew I up Blew the Up the Kid. It's got a weird title. Uh, like you would just you would think Honey, You Shrunk Ourselves is the sequel. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I always did think it was. A I sequel. always thought Blew Up the Kid was the third one because they like ran out of ideas. But mm-hmm. then I was like, oh no, that's the second one. Interesting. Yeah. All right. But to be fair, I did watch it because I read the words blew up the kid and I was like, fuck, I got to see this. <laughs> and they just got, the kid got bigger. Oh, like, they, I was just like, oh man, they really couldn't think of a better phrase. Like, how <laughs> do you say I, I, I grew the kid? You know what I mean? Oh, like, I see what, okay. Like the kid became giant. Like, yeah, how yeah, do you yeah. say that in one sentence? Honey, I like, yeah. blew up. Like, the <laughs> I best. grew up the kid. Yeah. Doesn't like, sound hit, right. Like, like, I enlarged the kid. Like, that sounds weird. Yeah. Like, it's got to be blow up. But yeah. it still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. One random fact about Randall that I literally cannot fit anywhere else is that his house was used to film Scream 3. Sick. <laughs> so, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> maybe I should have uh, saved that for like why you should love this movie. No, because the climax of that film takes place in a character who's a film director's house. Oh. And so he's like a famous film director who's, who has like a, it's a big mansion in Hollywood. And that is so funny. And that's where the finale takes place. So yeah, that's they must have just went to a real... T- director that like, is so great all right before we get into the movie i need to talk about casting because <laughs> this cast is phenomenal henry winkler was front runner to be danny zuko i mean i could see it. i get it <laughs> i don't and, think i don't know though can he sing and dance i mean can what is there anything he can't do i know but like i guess he probably could yeah i i read that he turned down the role because it was too close to what he would have already been doing for all those years. I mean, it was literally the same wardrobe. Yeah. Like, he, he could have just finished, sealed, cut, unhappy days, right. fucking fonzed it over to the other side. <laughs> fonzed it over. I don't understand something. Yeah. Well, I mean, you break my roof, and then you sue me, you take me here to court, you lose the case, I put up $200 toward it, the kids get the rest of it. I mean, how come you don't get to pay anything? How come? Because I'm the Fonz, huh? Hey! <laughs> Oh, 
Carrie Fisher was also considered for Sick. the role of Sandy. That would have been good. So what the hell? Everybody in Hollywood knows each other. So the director was roommates, college roommates with George Lucas. <laughs> And he was like talking to him about Carrie Fisher and like, what do you think? Like, could she sing and dance? Blah blah. blah. So it didn't end up happening. But I just find it like crazy that these people. I don't know, man. I really want to use her in my Star Wars. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, George Lucas. I respect you. Oh no. (laughs) I just really like to do this voice. (laughs) Kind of like Kermit as a film director. So Lucille Ball (laughs) and Desi Arnaz, they have a daughter uh, named Lucy Arnaz. Yeah. And she was. They really wanted her for the role of Rizzo. Uh-huh. But what happened was Lucille thought that the she, her daughter was too good for the role, so she actually denied it on her daughter's behalf. Wow! Isn't I was shaking my head at She's that. She's got some splaining to do, <laughs> motherfucker. I know. That's crazy. Like I was trying to find like the goss, you know yeah. what I mean? But I couldn't Yo, find anything. She probably fucking hated her mom's guts for bad long <laughs> after that. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. You don't want me to go out? What about the time you didn't want me to do that movie? <laughs> <laughs> So what happened was Alan Carr, one of the producers, he was actually really good friends with Stalker Channing. Uh-huh. And he like talked to her on the phone one night. He was like, you know, we're having real trouble like finding someone for Rizzo. Like, and she was like, all right, that sucks. And then he was like, do you want to come in? for?" <laughs> like, uh-huh. So she ended up going down to Paramount and just they loved her. And that's how she got the role of Rizzo. So I I mean I don't know anybody else who could play Rizzo as well as she did. Yeah. Um. So I I'm I'm happy. I love when things work out. Yeah. I mean I don't know I don't know anything about Lucy Arnaz. I don't even know what she looks like or anything like that. Right. So I can't speak to that. Um. But I think it would have been interesting at the very least to see Carrie Fisher mm. as Sandy, just because she can sing and dance really well, and she's yeah. fucking Carrie Fisher. So she's like the most talented, beautiful woman of the fucking decade. Absolutely. So what ended up happening was John Travolta once he was down for Danny Zuko, he actually fought fought for Olivia Newton-John. He was like, because Olivia Newton-John had been known as a pop singer like for the past five years. Like she was the most famous. Really? Oh, so what did, I didn't know, I don't know anything about her. Yeah, so she's an Australian um, pop singer or country, country and pop, I think. Okay. It was like a mixture of the two. So she was very well known and John Travolta was like, every young guy wants Olivia Newton-John as their girlfriend like she's beautiful she's talented like we gotta get her um and i think at the same time you know the producers one of them is australian or from england or whatever he knew olivia newton john (laughs) australian or from england i I don't know (laughs) listen uh he was from somewhere else (laughs) and he had a dinner party so far away from each other He had a dinner party and Alan Carr met her and he he was like, you know, she is really charming. I'd be curious to see see what she can do. And he talked to her and offered her the role. But the issue was, you know, she'd been a very successful singer and she did try out in acting but she was in this english movie that bombed. Like she was it it was so bad, such a bad experience for her that she was like Okay, I'll think about it, but I, what I really need is a screen test to make sure that I like the way I look in a movie like this. Okay. And I think the person who ended up getting her to that point was John Travolta. He went to her house and like talked to her about the movie to get her excited about it, and then she agreed to a screen test. And what they ended up doing for the screen test was the drive-in scene, which uh-huh. I think is really cute. Um, so she ended up liking how that looked, and that's how she got, she got into the movie. Uh-huh. But... Besides that, what I found really interesting is because this show had been so successful on Broadway, a lot of the cast members actually 
had experience with the show already prior to doing the motion picture. So, for example, Jeff Conway, who plays Kaniki, he played Danny on Broadway for a decent amount of time. And he was an understudy for multiple characters. So he knew the show front and back. Um, John Travolta himself was on the touring production of Grease. He was a younger character called Duty at the time. He was... He talked a lot about like, oh, I've always wanted to play Danny Zuko. I've always wanted to play him, but he was just too young. Yeah. And like two years later or whatever, he's That's like, hilarious. Mm, and now get. he's the Danny Zuko. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the one person in the cast who played the same role on Broadway and in the movie is the woman who plays Jan, the one who eats all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I called her food mouth in my notes. Oh my God. Food mouth. She was gross. <laughs> Not she... her as a person, the, the way she ate. Was oh, gross. interesting. I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. It just blows my mind that this movie was shot in two months that's crazy and they had two to three weeks of rehearsals of which john travolta started rehearsing four days after wrapping saturday night fever so he like went from one film straight to the other that's bananas and I I already feel myself like we're not even in the in the movie yet i'm so sorry (laughs) Maybe I'll just end it on this note in the fact that Olivia Newton-John obviously has an Australian accent. Yeah. And you can ask me about the differences between the stage production and the movie production throughout this. But uh-huh. one thing that I love that they did is all these kids are supposed to be American. Yeah. And they just tried their hardest to get her to do an American accent and it just would not work. <laughs> so they ended up writing that whole scenario about her family coming from Australia and that's and her that being the reason why she has the Australian accent. Yeah, like yeah. they did that for her. That's so funny. <laughs> but that's funny too, because again, that seems like to me that seems like a big part of the plot. Yes. Like if <laughs> I get that you could just make it somewhere else and she could still be moving away or whatever, but and I don't know. Call me crazy because I didn't know she was Australian. So, like, there were a couple times where I thought that I wasn't really hearing the Australian accent. <laughs> That's So, funny. I was like, is she fucking up this accent right now? Oh, my God. But, like, now that I'm hearing it, I'm wondering, was that her, like, accidentally the English, com- like, the American English coming out because she was, like, practicing it so much? Yeah. That maybe it came out that way? Because there are some times where I was like, I hear it. And there are other times where I was like, like, I didn't hear it in the beginning at all really yeah seriously not at all like that's crazy like i don't know maybe maybe i got accent blindness along with my face blindness oh my god but that's that's very funny that because i was wondering i was like that's like a bold choice for this movie like to just make her australian for like it doesn't seem is the movie seems so mainstream and broad that i was like that seems like a not broad movie like you know (laughs) yeah a lot of choices were made in this movie and from the casting like the director made it clear that he wanted a cast that truly had chemistry. And I think this movie is successful in that it feels like a stage production, even though it is a movie. Yeah. So the fact that their first day together in rehearsals was not even like, it wasn't a sit down read through of the script. It wasn't like staging or whatever. It was literally, uh, they brought the cast together for a sock hop, which is like essentially like a dance. Yeah, yeah. And that's how like the cast met each other for the first time. So this whole production was like a whole party. That's great. It was great. They probably loved it (laughs) because they're all so young. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Last, I lied. This is the last (laughs) thing that I'm going to mention before we dive in. (laughs) Everyone, if you want to go to the bathroom right now, get yourself a refreshment. Maybe you can get some lunch going. This is going to be a long one. I was like, you know what Andy did to me in Karate Kid? I'm going to hit him right back. (laughs) (laughs) No, the last thing for real that I'll mention is the fact that these kids are not kids at all. Uh, That's (laughs) hilarious. 
Stockard was 33 years old playing Rizzo. Like, the, I can see it. Yeah, none of them looked. No, they yeah. didn't look very teenagers. They actually all. added freckles to make her look younger, and she was like, that just makes me look dirtier. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, Olivia Newton-John was 28. I mean, John Travolta was 23. Yeah. So, I mean, but, like, it's just funny that it ranges from thir- 19 to 33. Yeah. I find that hilarious. I don't blame them. So let's just dive into it. I'm going to do my best to squeeze everything in. I apologize in advance again, but if you love Grease, which you should, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So this movie starts out with an amazing song, an amazing animation sequence. (laughs) What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I had no idea this was going to start with an animation sequence, uh, but it was a nice little pleasant surprise. I'm sure at the time it wasn't a throwback, but to me it just feels like a throwback to kind of that old Hanna Barbera style of of uh, animation. They're the guys who did you know Flintstones and Jetsons, and uh, Scooby Doo, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it just seemed like that with a more a little bit more of a budget. Uh, I know this movie didn't have a budget, but since it was like a short sequence in a feature like film, it just seemed like it was a little more it was a little more movement to it than a classic Hanna Barbera. Yeah. But it still had that dirty '70s kind of squiggly line looking. Fat Albert-esque animation that I dug. Uh, just it made me nostalgic for stuff that I wasn't even around for. Oh, that's and, awesome. And uh, the other one, uh, like Schoolhouse Rock, too. It had a little bit of that vibe. Yeah, I feel yeah. like everybody... American animation was all kind of pulling from the same ideas, you mm-hmm. know, during that time. Totally. But yeah, I dug it. It was a fun, fun way to set a very light tone for a very light movie. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I learned is that a cartoon was actually pitched to be the movie for Grease to the original creators, wow. which they did not dig at all. Yeah. So I think they were somehow the Paramount was paying homage this to that or defi- somehow. This movie definitely bled into you because you never say the word dig. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they do not dig at all. <laughs> this Hollywood director, Ralph Bakshi, yeah. I guess. He, I know, oh, yes, I guess. <laughs> who's Ralph? Uh, he's a... Like an animation, uh, very famous animation. Guy. Ah, yes. Yeah. But go on. So he had pitched them to make Grease an X-rated cartoon. What? Yeah. Uh, who are you going to sell that to in the 70s? I, I don't know. You couldn't, like, they didn't have VHSs yet. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> like, know. Like, it's like, seriously, where would you where would you put that to make money? Besides a porno theater, we're not making a lot of money. Right. I don't know if it was Ralph who pitched this addition to it being a cartoon, but someone had pitched to them that Danny should commit suicide at the end of Greece, and they were like, yeah, you're not who we want to yeah. work with. <laughs> like, Wait, uh, what? At the end? Yeah, I just... What? What are you talking about? Fucking Have you read the script? It was whack. <laughs> uh, but I, that does surprise me, though. I feel like if this movie came out even five years later, we would have got an 80s children's cartoon Grease TV show. Mm, it yeah. just, I, I, I just don't see how they couldn't have looked at that opening and been like, why don't we just make that a cartoon? Totally. On top of the, you know, the rest of this, you know, it's like, I don't see why not. Yeah. It's like, it's like Pink Panther. Like in those movies, there was always the animated opening sequence with the animated Pink Panther that wasn't in the movies. But when it came time to make a kid's TV show, they're like, yeah, fucking Spectre Clouseau. Let's grab the cartoon Panther. Totally. And make that the character. I'm actually surprised that they yeah, didn't do I really that. Yeah, I really supposed to get a one season of Grease the TV show in like 1985. Yeah. And the last thing about the sequence, too, is that they actually tapped BG's, uh, a Bee Gees guy to write the song. Uh-huh. Uh, I forget his, la- uh, his, his first name, but his last any- name's I Gib. Any- I don't know anybody in the Bee Gees. And it's so funny because it rem- the story reminded me of what happened in Wag the Dog. 
uh, where they sort of tapped the songwriter to write a song. Yeah. That essentially happened here where they were like, yo, I need a song called Grease. Can you write it for me? And he was like, how do you write a song about Grease? Yeah. And the producer was like, yeah, Grease, da, 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 Grease, da, da, da. And then he ended up writing Grease is the word. Like, yeah, it just like, followed great. the producer's, like, initial uh, suggestion and then wrote a song. That's and it, it ended up being uh, sung by Frankie Valli. Nice. Who uh, is uh, one of the singers in the Four Seasons. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, what? You know everything. I mean, I was <laughs> passing knowledge of things. Jesus Christ. Oh, Frankie Valley. <laughs> yeah, that opening sequence is awesome. Yeah, I appreciated it going into this beach stuff. Um, I already knew the basic plot of the movie mm. just from being living in America. <laughs> um, but I appreciated that they dove right into it. Like, they were already... Where we start at the end of the summer. I wasn't sure how much time we were going to devote to this. Uh, but I like that this movie is uh, very fast-paced and uh, like doesn't really have a lot of fat in... Even though there's not a lot going on plot-wise, they're still, they're always moving. It's always high energy. Yeah. And even, like, the love scenes kind of have a kinetic, you know, a lot of movies slow down for the love scenes. Right. And this, I feel like, never slows down. Well, what I love about it, too, is they're kind of tapping into what they know are, like, we're already familiar with. We know how romantic scenes go. We know, like, the format of these things. That was kind of another reason why I was like, is this a parody? Because, Mm. like... They're not spending a lot of time on the love. They're just being like, it's here, and that's why they got it. Yeah. And I do like it, too, because if you do, if you are somehow someone seeing this without any knowledge of what's going on, it is kind of cool that our first shot of Danny Zuko is kind of in this borderline preppy clothes and, like, just being, like, a sweet guy. Yeah. Because then when we, when, he, when we see him as the greaser, it's almost like we're, we're having, like, Sandy's reaction to it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, but, but again, I don't know how you're going into this without knowing <laughs> what Danny Zuko looks like in most of the movie. Oh, yeah. So it's very hard. You'd have to, like, get a real young kid to yeah, be like... Yeah, it's be... impossible. Yeah. And apparently this opening scene, too, with them at the beach in the peppy clothes was paying tribute to James Dean. Nice. I was on I was Pluto TV on the other day, and I was watching Happy Days. Uh-huh. And it was an episode where Fonzie tried to become an actor because he wanted to be the next James Dean. Aww. And they didn't hire him because they were like, we're sick of your type in Hollywood. We don't want to hire yours anymore. <laughs> and it was like the end of the greaser, you know? Yeah. Their summer fling is over because she, her and her family are moving back to Australia. And we kind of end that story and just end up at Rydell High. Yeah. And... Uh, God, I, I, I wanted to go to Rydell High. Yeah. I wanted to be one of the pink ladies. It's so cool how they arrive on campus. And I totally remember my senior year walking. Every every senior walks on campus is like, we're going to rule the school yeah. this year. You know? That's so funny. <laughs> rule the school. We're not rule the school. But, you know, you feel yeah. more empowered than you did as a freshman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> when we meet. Like both the crews, like the pink ladies and then like the greasers. The T Birds, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what that's where I really realized that I did not know this movie at all. Because again, <laughs> I just thought it was I thought it was gonna be like earnest in the sense where I just thought they were like, We wanna tell a classic love story as a classic musical and pay tribute to old Hollywood and everything and it's gonna be beautiful and romantic and, and I didn't know it was gonna be like silly. Like, you know, <laughs> like this whole fucking movie is silly as shit. And it's very, very comedic. And I just didn't see that coming. Uh, so I thought, you know, they were actually going to, like, make the pink ladies, like, almost tough. And his gang tough. And immediately, like, the boys are all playing with, like, toys that they're way too old to be playing with. <laughs> like, I was just like, what the fuck kind of tough guy? I've never seen tough guys in a movie carrying things like this around ever in my life. Right. And so I, I'm not 
this isn't, I'm not saying it's bad. It just, it caught me so off guard. Like I thought it was going to be, I thought they were going to be like the outsiders. Like I thought like, yeah, it was going to be like tough guys. To, and like, and everybody was so goofy. Like these guys, everybody was a nerd in this well, fucking movie. Well, like, yes, but I think I, I find it funny that you call it silly, but I think it's realistic. Like we all think we're tough and cool in high school. And I think they're just putting a lens on like, this is what you're really like in high school. Like, all right. You think- yes. <laughs> but. Even the quote-unquote tough guys when I went to high school, even if they weren't actually tough and they were putting on a posterior, mm-hmm. nobody... If you walked around with a fake prank mouse, a toy water gun, okay. a hand buzzer, you were a goddamn nerd. Right. Like, I'm sorry. No cool, quote-unquote, scary, cool, tough, image-holding person in high school did those things outward. Like, like if you did that, everybody would just like be like, oh, yeah, that's that fucking weirdo <laughs> who's still into like... 12 year old gags yeah so to me that's where i was just like oh this is like a parody like they're kind of making fun of greasers mm. and i might be wrong but that's how i read it where it was like they're kind of poking like looking back at this era and being like these guys who thought they were like these big tough macho men were really just like a bunch of nerds like look at these guys yeah and then same thing with like the pink lady like the fact that the like like food mouth First of all, she looked way younger than everyone else. Like, I don't know why she came off like someone's kid sister the whole movie. That is so funny that you say that. Because she had to dye her hair black because she was prematurely getting gray hair. She was 30. That's funny. <laughs> so it's funny that you think she's I guess, the yeah, maybe not even just like in... It was more like how she acted. Mm. Like, her personality. And I was like, there's no way she's one of the cool girls. <laughs> like, she's definitely has the personality of one of their little sisters who's still in middle school who's obsessed with like candies totally and dolls and like and so all of this was like it was refreshing to me actually because i thought it was going to be just like dry and boring mm-hmm. and i was just like oh this movie doesn't give a fuck and it's hilarious like I'm, i just want to see what's coming next because yeah. i don't know what's coming next yeah i don't know what's going to come out of any of these people's mouths they're so weird they do three stooges impressions like like i'm sorry the cool people didn't like three stooges like yeah. you know what i mean like i like three stooges but i'm not cool so it's- see that's exactly what the director said he was like the cool guys at my school were not like this like yeah. in this movie but what's funny is like zuko i thought they wrote him to always be acting kind of cool and kaniki kaniki too so it's just so funny that like and same thing with like rizzo like rizzo i believed it like she mm-hmm. had the attitude of not the most popular girl in school not like the cheerleader like everyone loves me but like the cool girl like yeah. you know it's like the freaks and geeks scenario there's the popular jocks but then there's the freaks yeah and both are like quote-unquote cool in in a high school scenario but like one is kind of like more respected and then the, the freaks you're kind of scared of so rizzo i bought as the head of the freaks like mm-hmm. she could have that character could have been in the freaks and geeks circle and totally. i would have believed it yeah uh, but then like her friends i was just like yo this candy girl like there's <laughs> no way the tough girl in school would be friends with her but candy girl the she's candy girl now oh no she was food mouth in my head <laughs> i literally wrote food mouth is gonna be my least favorite i know it oh like I wrote, I wrote that in the first scene the way she was just her fucking big ass teeth sticking out with the chocolate and the chewing and like the that caramel and i was like Ugh! like it was just i hate mouth shit like i don't want to watch anyone chewing i don't want to watch anyone spitting i fucking hate the mouth what, what, what did we watch? What did we watch recently where someone spit out their? Fo- oh, we watched The Office yesterday, and, and Michael was spitting out the Indian food, and I literally like gagged and looked away. I was like, "There's nothing grosser than regurgitation." You were insane. And like mouths oh. and chewing and spit and ugh. 
That is, I yeah. Sorry, I find that gross. I did not I guess, know I guess you weird. found that so strong. Yeah, I, I did not care for for food math. That is so funny, but <laughs> I see, I see where you where you're coming from with that. <laughs> oh, I guess the first time I called her Oreo face because I wrote, "The fuck is Oreo face doing?" Because she was stuffing Oreos in her face and being oh like, dong, 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 dong. and I was like, "You're the cool one." I've <laughs> never, I don't know why, but I've never noticed it. Like, I I know that she ate a lot, but like, I didn't realize it until we watched it this time around how much she ate i couldn't believe they dropped it halfway through the movie i thought it was going to be every scene she's going to be eating because mm-hmm. that's how it was the first half and then they she still brings up food as time goes on but she's not eating well because half. she gets on a diet she uh, goes on a diet okay all right thank god <laughs> oh my not god. for her weight for the way she eats <laughs> i don't give a i can watch everyone else eat was, i even like watched in the scene when they're all sitting around eating and then like i looked over at like rizzo chewing and i'm like yeah that's normal like that's fine i got no problem watching the rest of these girls eat but the way she's like ums, 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 it's like jesus damn spoiler alert i love jen <laughs> <laughs> she's always just like i don't know she just totally seems like she, she's like 12 years old and one of their little sisters who hangs around with them. Hey, look, it's Jim. Get the new white panna with the brand new flavor. It's daddy for your tea. Russia, Russia, Russia. New white panna toothpaste. Russia, Russia, Russia. Knocks out DK germs fast. Fast. Fast, you sure are right. I I could see a scenario where they've just been friends since like elementary or middle school. So like that's how their friend group just ended up being. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But one thing I do want to mention about the T-Birds is, you know, like you mentioned, Danny Zuko and Kaniki are like the cool ones in their group, right? Those who were expected to be in this movie. Yeah. But the and the three other T-Birds, and I should have their names. I know one of them. It's uh, I wrote it down. Oh, Sunny. Yeah. Yeah, he was my he was annoying. <laughs> so the three <laughs> other the three other T birds, Duty, Sunny, and Putsy. <laughs> these guys, they actually improvised a lot of their bits and a lot of their lines. Uh-huh. And they essentially ended up doing like a three stooges thing. The director was I like the whole scene of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The director was like, All right, you guys come up with like your three stooges bit and we'll, you know, see what works. And, you know, at the pep rally scene, they just I I think they do it so well. Oh, no, They're they paying tribute yeah, to them so well. Oh, I enjoy the three stooges. <laughs> When I was like making fun of them for liking it, I was saying for cool guys. Uh, I don't mean I, I like everything they like. I'm a fucking dork. <laughs> like I like I think those dudes are hilarious. Yeah. So I, I I like what they did there, and I think you do like in friend groups. I think it is really realistic to have like a friend group where you know two people are really close, and then you have the larger group. Like I felt like that oh, dynamic yeah. was very realistic yeah, as well. Yeah. So I appreciated that. So, I just was like watching him walk around with that water pistol, the colorful one. I was like, who would ever be scared of these dorks? I, I mean, know. Like, you know, just a water pistol and the fake rat. And like, he was like, <laughs> I was like, are you guys, like, if they were in middle school, I'd buy it more. Totally. But like, I was like, yo, you guys are like trying to get laid. Like, what are you doing? Like, snickering with the ma- fake, like, I'm sorry. I know. That would never get you anywhere in high school. <laughs> It's the first day of high school. Sandy sort of gets in with the pink ladies. And I like that you don't have this whole intro. You know, she's already made friends with Frenchie. Yeah. So that's her way into the pink ladies. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we as an audience know that Dan- Danny and Sandy are eventually going to meet. So, like, the anticipation is building, right? Yep. Especially once the pink ladies realize after Summer Lovin', which we're going to talk about now, that, you know, her Summer Lovin' affair was with Danny Zuko, who yeah. they know very well. What do you think about Summer Lovin'? Um, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one before. 
but I've never really. Oh, been... I'm sorry, Summer Nights. Oh, it's not called Summer Eleven. No, it's oh. called Summer Nights. <laughs> I, I think most people know it as Summer Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I've always liked that one. It's mad catchy, just a good, well-made song for a musical. Yeah. But I've never really listened to it before, and this was uh, me as as a viewer kind of a turning point for me of thinking about what this movie was because remember i went into it thinking it was going to be super like just kind of serious and straightforward then it was way sillier than i thought it was going to be and then so i didn't know how dirty this movie was Mm -hmm. i i thought this was going to be very sanitized it doesn't be g-rated like it just always seemed like a fan especially the fact that we were all seven-year-olds in school and all the girls watched this a thousand times yeah so when we were listening to summer loving i literally just wrote i was like did she just say he got me damp yep and i like i was just like shocked that that line was in here and then by the time the movie ended i was like oh that was like the that was nothing compared to the shit they're gonna say later <laughs> like that was like but i just like i was like i thought this was i thought this was g-rated like you can't yeah. say damp like you know like that would be like if the incredibles said that shit you oh, know like like, or like finding nemo or something like what the fuck is going on <laughs> so that caught me off guard and then i was just like and then as i was watching it i was just like oh this is like hypersexualized. and then that led me back to oh is this a parody again which mm. is why i was just like is this kind of just being like, we're going to have a nice, sweet look back at the 50s, but then everyone's just horned up like a motherfucker. Yeah. As just seeing it for the first time, it almost made me, like, get a little more interested in being like, oh, shit, what are we... Is this, like, some wild shit we're about to watch? Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And this is one of those movies where i watched as a kid over and over again had no idea what the hell they were talking about yeah. until i became like a teenager or whatever and i was That's like so oh funny. snap yeah because it is still the 70s so like they're not saying like suck my dick like they're still using <laughs> innuendos but it's like they're not that like, subtle of innuendos like Absolutely. you just have to be over 15 and you'll understand what they're talking about But outside of the lyrics, I also just like uh, just little touches in the way they filmed it, uh, including is this the one that ends with like a split screen and Olivia Newton-John's head is half the screen? Yep. So I like musicals when they do anything that's like that. Anything Mm. that is impossible to recreate on the stage, Mm. I think you should be doing in a movie musical. Mm. I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with filming them the way you would film a Broadway show, but I just don't see the point. Like, I just feel like if it's already great on Broadway, you should find a way to make it great differently on, on film. So I I always, like, look for that in musicals that have been adapted. I'm like, what did they do here that we can't... You can't recreate a split screen where one person's head is giant, the other person's full-bodied. Absolutely. So I just I was just like, oh, cool. We're doing, we're doing shit. We're doing something different here. Absolutely. We're trying. Yeah. And they had that in mind 100%. They were like, we need to make this different from the broadway yeah. production because i love a lot of the big grand musicals of the 50s but a lot of them do just kind of fall back on big lavish sets and big wide angles right to recreate the idea of sitting in the theater and watching and i'm just like why like mm-hmm. the theater exists already so let's let's jazz this up a yeah. little bit and what i love about this song is that it was written for the movie so it wasn't part of the oh, original really? production wow yep. again it's like the th- <laughs> what is this original production? what happens in it <laughs> no the same this, it's the same storyline. I think just they added nuances that just made it better. But it just seems like boring. Like they're just in <laughs> Chicago. No, one's not even like a foreigner. Like, <laughs> Oh, now a foreigner adds like an extra yeah, layer yeah, of entertainment. A, a little spiciness. <laughs> a little Australian spice. Oh my God. But yeah, this is an extremely dirty song. But you're distracted by how upbeat everything how colorful everything is and it's fun and so 
they talk, the creators talk a lot about how much they were able to get away with because everyone was so distracted by what they were seeing yeah. that people didn't even notice the lyrics in the songs. They're like, all right, we'll just get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, they were able to get away with a lot. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote a lot of it down. Oh my God. <laughs> a lot of people have put their nose up to how like some lines in this song are problematic. You know, like, did did she put up a fight? You know, yeah. all this stuff. But I'm like... First of all, yeah, this was written 40 years ago, and it's about 20 yeah. years before that. I would say this movie's probably should have been more problematic. Like, I was actually <laughs> surprised. Like, there's a couple of parts, but I'm just like, overall, this was... Yeah. yeah. And it's this isn't the first and the last time we're going to see this in this movie, but I just want to point out that, yes, it is problematic, and that whole time is problematic, but I'm still going to sing the songs. Yeah, no, <laughs> I freaking fantastic. love the songs. And also, like, it's just, it is good writing because it's showing the difference between high school girls and high school boys. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's exceptions, blah, blah, blah. But in general, if you were going to stereotype, you know, the girls are like, oh, it's so romantic. It's, you know, it's the love of my life. It's the Prince Charming I've always been looking for. Like, everything's kind of, like, sweet and flowery yes. and, and nice and cute. And, but then when he's talking to the guys, like, he could only be dirty about it. Otherwise, the guys don't want to hear it. So exactly. So he has to over-exaggerate and over-emphasize and lie. I mean, most guys I know were lying in high school about how much sex they were yeah. having. And uh, so it's just like, it's, it, I just think it's funny and a good way to capture yeah. adolescence. And the director was like, yeah, the truth is that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't that romantic, but it also it wasn't that sexual either. Exactly. It was, like, it was nice. Yeah. You know, like it was a nice time for all. <laughs> so the choreography throughout this movie is fantastic as well. So I think we maybe we just go song by song and you just throw any questions at me that you have. But sure. after this, you know, Sandy is invited over to Frenchie's for a sleepover and you get to dive into how the pink ladies see sandy you know she's this super clean cut goody two shoes especially in rizzo's eyes it doesn't drink doesn't smoke exactly so that really that inspires look at me i'm sandra d the song that rizzo sings which it's such a catchy song yeah it's so good it's funny and what's a little eerie about this song is one you know when they when she references like all the movie stars on the walls like in the posters like you know, Elvis, keep your pelvis yeah, far yeah, yeah. from me. First of all, it wasn't supposed to be Elvis um, that they referenced. It was originally supposed to be this other artist who ended up being, I guess, stabbed to death a year before they actually shot this. So they were Jesus. like, let's just change it to Elvis. Yeah. And then what ended up happening is they shot that scene the day Elvis died. Oh, my God. So it just ended up being like the super weird yeah, yeah. coincidence. Listen to this right now. There's two things you need to know. Uh-huh. I'm the king. And number two is... Look out, man! Look at that. They're coming at you. You see that? It's called karate, man. And only two kinds of people know. The Chinese and the king. And one of them is me. You're the king. So well, now, come on, man. Come on. Sitting around there now. Looking around. Look out, man. Look at this. Some long game, man. Well, thanks, Elvis. <laughs> well, I'm on it, man. I want some more. Let's go. Come on, It's sort of leads to um you know sandy just realizing how much of like an outsider she is kind of yeah we don't know this but i think rizzo's character is dealing with the fact that people always look down on her and think of her as a slut of sorts yeah like she like guys will be happy to sleep with her but none of them like fall in love with her yes and then so like she probably wanted that from danny but it just wasn't happening exactly so you know and i 
right after this scene, she sneaks out the window to hook up with Kaniki. Like, you know, it's just, she's the polar opposite of Sandy. I think she resents her because of that. Yep. Well, hang on real quick. I think in all your excitement, we might have skipped over one of the most important parts of the story, which is when the pink ladies bring Sandy over to meet Danny. And Uh, then Danny finds out that she did not leave for Australia. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought John Travolta did a really good piece of acting there. His like initial when he's like, Sandy! (laughs) And then like immediate, like like you actually like see it in his eyes. Like, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm really excited. And then he sees his friends and immediately has to... Put on his cool guy. Uh, this made you laugh out loud. Oh, this fucking line was ridiculous. Because <laughs> she was just like, what's going on? He's like, well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> and I was just like, yo, you are not cool, dude. <laughs> I freaking love it. I just love, like, I feel like he's never not shaking in this movie. Like, he's always shimmying. Whether he's walking or talking, like, he's just like, like, it's just like shoulders are moving. His head's moving. Oh, yeah. Like, he's just... I love his pacing back and forth too. Yeah. Like he's always trying to like navigate like which Danny Zuko he wants to be in that yeah. moment, and I think that was such a great choice. Yeah. But I just thought it's so funny how like how quickly Sandy goes against. Like I get that he's like putting on this posturing, but she acts like he fucking did her so dirty. Like where she was just like, "Who is this? That's not the boy I love." Like he said like three things. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I feel like. If this could have been a more of a chance there to see if he was an asshole, like he didn't do anything wrong yet, besides just be a little bit of like aloof. I guess so, but you know, she's like the naive one. She's like, maybe she was expecting him to be like my boogly bear, like the things he always said that yeah, summer. You I know, <laughs> if there was like one more conversation where like they were alone, maybe, and then she was just like. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you acting like that in front of your friends? And he was just like, it's complicated. And she was just like, well, then you don't, you know, like, then. But it was just so funny how it went from like, I can't believe it, Danny, my true love. And he's like, yeah, baby, I'm shaking (laughs) and baking. And then she was just like, I cannot believe you would talk like that. (laughs) (laughs) The eye acting, too, between him and Rizzo in that moment. Yeah. Oh, I love freaking eye act, good eye acting. But yeah, that, oh my God, same <laughs> that leads to the sleepover. So yes, thank yeah. you for pointing that out no because problem. that's a, a pretty important scene. I don't know why last night the pep rally r- rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. What? I was like, mm, this is giving me KKK rally vibes. Because <laughs> like, they're burning like something at the stake, you know? I didn't like it. It is the 50s. And there are <laughs> white people burning, burning wood. So- it's a little scary. I did not like that. I, I found it, yeah. I, I, yes, it was. Um, but I did find it comedically pretty funny of how much fanfare they had for a seven-season slump. For the yeah. fact that they haven't won in seven years and I, that many people are like excited about it. Absolutely. I feel like that, again, was more to my parody theory of just like making fun of that kind of 50s hurrah, the way like the whole town would be so engulfed in a high school football like we talked about it on days of confused too yeah uh, even though that was the 70s but still it's just like it's so funny like how i don't know i just think that doesn't happen maybe it does in other states but like i think I didn't it does up- happen in like a- other states like midwestern maybe because i didn't grow up like that people weren't like come back high school football like yeah. you know like i was like, like i never went to a game and i was there like you know it's absolutely like- <laughs> So yeah, that leads to the sleepover, which sort of inspires the hopelessly devoted to you uh, song that Sandy has in Frenchie's Backyard, which leads to the Look At Me, I'm Sandra D song, but also hopelessly devoted to you. Yes. Which is Sandy reacting to her encounter with Danny Zuko and just confessing, you know, I still love you, um, but I'm hopelessly devoted to you. Yeah, exactly. Which the one interesting thing about this song is that it was 
one, not a part of the original musical. Of course, because that musical was five <laughs> minutes long and has no plot, apparently. Exactly. And, <laughs> and okay, I'm not going to agree with that. But <laughs> you already did. Oh, goddamn. And it was written and produced by Olivia's producer, music producer halfway through the shooting production of Grease. So, like, they've already gone through shooting half of this movie. Wow. And then they shot Hopelessly add, Devoted add to You. More. Yeah, and it ended up being an Oscar-nominated song. Hey, look <laughs> so, look, look at that. I don't know if I mentioned this, but in Olivia's contract, she was obligated to receive a solo song. So, that that's sense. what Hopelessly Devoted to You ended up being. Yeah, I could see that. But it, I think it fit the movie. It didn't feel forced. Like, I think it was it was a character building. Absolutely. This part of Rizzo sneaking out after the slumber party and going with the guys, this is where it solidified me of just like how sexual this movie was and that how I did not know what Grease was at mm. all. Because even little things like, where you go when you want to flog your log? I was like, they just said flog your log? Like, children watch this. And then, fuck. What does flog your log oh. mean? <laughs> <laughs> I meant to look it up in my research. Oh my God. <laughs> I already have to teach you what. what what cucking was on this podcast. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? <laughs> it means to jerk off, Masha. Flog means oh, to beat and your log means your Got penis. it. Got it. <laughs> to flog someone is to beat them. Oh. Beat your meat. Flog got it. Log. I got it. I got it. It rhymes. What is a penis? <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, the way she like flashed her panties during her song the Sandra D song. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, and then she looks at the guys. She's like, what do you think this is, guys? A gangbang? I was like, gangbang? <laughs> we don't have children here, but sir, we have children here. Yes. Please rewrite your script. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. I thought it made me, it made me laugh, but like, I, I just kept thinking about these these seven-year-old girls in my God. school who were like, we love Grease! <laughs> and I was like, you learned what gangbangs were God. real early. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier than me listening to hip-hop music. I know. <laughs> and even the cars parked I, I forget what they call that area where all the cars are parked and people are just making out in their cars oh like make out point or something yeah. it's always got a name like that it's always got something different but that scene as well i just i can't believe how far they went like to actually sh- have this whole condom moment. yeah exactly I that, l- that was so funny how he had it in his his he's like i bought it in the seventh grade or whatever i love moments like this for Kaniki. It's not the first time that he sort of breaks this bad boy character yeah. or bad boy facade, you know? <laughs> but that, I'm sorry, but that's so relatable, at least I think, to young boys. <laughs> where, you know, like, I, I bought a condom way before I ever used it. Like, I just, you know, like... Whoa. Because, you know, you're an idiot. You're like, you never know. So, like, I would keep it in my wallet, and then I actually had... I didn't have that moment where I pulled it out and it had a hole, but, like, someone told me, like, you know condoms, like... You can't just keep them in there forever. They're going to, like, expire. I had it in there for a year. Like, I had it in there. I bought it way before I ever used it. Where did you keep it? In my wallet. Uh. Uh, And, uh, (laughs) yeah, and then I ended up, like, throwing it out before I ever even used it. But it was just so funny where I was like, wow, that is so relatable. Like, he's like, I bought it in the seventh grade. (laughs) This movie kind of hints at the fact that the T-Birds are sort of a gang. You don't really know what they do, like besides like steal people's stuff yeah but you know that they have a rivalry with this other gang yeah 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 in this scene as well um when they drive up and sort of he bumps into the bumper of you know yeah, Kaniki's yeah. already trashy car yep yep I, I've, I've always just been curious about like w- the roots of that rivalry like what what were they doing who knows yeah <laughs> maybe one gang squirted the other one with a water gun too many times and they got mad absolutely 
And the old hand buzzer. <laughs> but what I love about this movie is that it just seamlessly goes from one topic to the other. Like he bumps into the car, and the next thing you know, we're at the auto shop. Yep. Where they're fixing, trying to fix up Kaniki's yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant by like when I said this movie didn't have a lot of fat. So mm. like, even though it's not complicated at all, it's a very simple plot. It moves from scene to scene, just very smooth. And it's the, it's fast paced in a good way where yes. you're not as as an audience you can connect all the dots very easily, but it's moving. You're always like, okay, that happened because of this. This happened because of that. It was it was tight. Right, Grease Lightning. <laughs> yeah, I did not know this, but Grease Lightning is actually a song that Kaniki sings in the in the original. Exactly. Uh, so I mean, it makes sense. It's his car. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. So this is another instance where Tron Travolta used his clout uh, he wanted to sing grease lightning he was like it makes more sense for my character it's character building or whatever and sort well, of it does because he's the one in the movie at least who gets them excited about it yeah you know what i mean so yeah he's like rallying them up and i think it makes sense to also show that or i guess further enforce danny as sort of the real leader of this crew yeah i guess i should have mentioned to there have been some back and forth about how much John Travolta sort of used his star power on this movie. Like, he used it to get Olivia Newton-John. He used it to choose what the director was going to direct it. He used it to get Grease Lightning and had a lot of say in, like, how things were shot. He even got his sister in the movie. Like, he used it a lot. So people are like, he was kind of like a douche on set. But, like, I think the main cast don't feel that way. But, like, a little... A little bit of that talk has been yeah. sort of surrounding this a little bit. I think that kind of happens anytime someone gets to the level of star that he is. Like, I think so, too. You're not going to get that famous without some shit talk going on. Yeah, and I think Jeff Conway, the guy who plays Kaniki, he didn't seem to have any sour feelings against Danny taking this song. Yeah. And I think it ended up working out really well. The sad part about the song is that the choreography, which is fantastic, yeah. they actually took inspiration from the choreo- the original Broadway choreography. But what Pat did was just add more like jumps and fantasy to it. You know, the white portion of the song was shot at Paramount Studio Soundstage. Uh-huh. So they made it into like this true dream sequence. But the sad part is that Kaniki or Jeff ended up injuring him his back oh, during during the taping of this scene and ended up having to use a lot of painkillers. And so this, I know where this is going. So this scene is attributed to the beginning of his drug addiction, Damn. which really sucks. Like, really puts a damper on how awesome this scene is. Yeah. He passed away, I think, in 2012 or something. Not even... It, it was because of the how much drugs he had been taking, but in reality, I think it was, like, pneumonia. Yeah. But because he had been taking so much drugs... The system was probably rocked. Yeah. So, and, you know. Yeah. So that's unfortunate, but, Damn. you know... Ugh, I hate to talk about it. Sorry to put a damper on it, but we could talk about the the other awesomeness of the scene. Yeah, um, I like this. I like this song um, because I I kind of to go back to what I was saying before of doing things a little more fantastical. I enjoyed in this movie when the song sequences went more fantasy and into kind of like a fake stage and a whole fake production, mm-hmm. as opposed to when they just danced in the real world that they were in oh interesting i didn't hate those songs but i'm not saying i hated it when they didn't do that but i just thought I, I thought it added an extra bit of the just production value and the moviness of it all so yeah. you know 
for some, love summer loving, but they are just singing at the bleachers and on the benches where they were just sitting. Mm-hmm. This I really enjoyed how they just completely transformed the garage into a magic world. Yeah, and then we went back to reality at the end of it. I, yeah, I just I just think you're you're using the visual medium of film more that totally. way. Totally, and it's you know they're all talking about how excited they are. And I love the transition into the dream world yeah. too with John Travolta going under the car. Like, what a cool way to do that. Yeah, it was awesome. And one thing I didn't know, too, is I guess back in the 50s, guys used to wrap themselves in saran wrap or cellophane before sex. What? To, like, prevent pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you know, in, in the women they were sleeping with. Wait, wrap their dick or their yeah. body? Yeah, I, I think they're... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Andy. <laughs> yes, they're dick. Oh, I feel dirty saying it. Sorry, when you said wrap themselves, I pictured their whole body. And oh, I was yeah, like, yeah, what? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, sorry. I was like, what are you? Th-? What ended up happening is, I don't know if you remember, but they there was a presence of saran wrap in this scene. Oh, okay. I did, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't register. And John Travolta ever so briefly rubs his self him rubs himself with the saran wrap sort of alluding to that he was strictly told not to do that at all but they it ended up being in the movie (laughs) like they didn't get flagged but like they didn't want to sort of promote that messaging i don't know how you would how you would see john travolta doing that and being like i could put saran wrap on mine yeah but whatever (laughs) i thought that was funny not that saran wrap not that that works at all but i find it so funny that it's always been a history of censoring things like that or condom use because it promotes sex but like in reality i'm like yeah but it's promoting safe sex right <laughs> i don't know I, you know what i mean like yeah what, it's like it's like you're talking no don't do things that can help you not get pregnant exactly again saran wrap's not gonna do that for you but if you believe that it did i don't see like there's already sex all like like he literally pretends to hump the air while talking about sandy earlier in a different song absolutely to me that's way more explicit than using a 1950s version of a condom yeah which is saran wrap apparently yeah. um, so <laughs> i just want to talk about how stupid that is like you're, you're getting the wrong message out when you're trying to censor absolutely you didn't have any notes about the dirtiness of this song uh at this point i accepted it so i stopped writing it down <laughs> okay i start after the gangbang line i was like all right this movie is completely lewd yeah and that's what we're here for i just in the beginning i didn't know i just thought this was squeaky clean yeah like, I didn't think this was going to be sick. I thought it was all of me on holding hands. That's so funny. And, you know, like, oh, shucks, he's <laughs> taking me to the yeah. sock hop, you know, like something like that. You weren't expecting you want Supreme, the chicks will cream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grease lightning. Was not expecting that. <laughs> cool. All right. I love I love when I can surprise you. You know, it's <laughs> very rare. Probably the next part is him trying to impress Sandy by joining sports. Yeah, I love a track montage. It's pretty funny. <laughs> this again, to, it, still, I'm going to keep bringing it up, but this furthered my theory that this is a parody because it was like, this seemed to me be like, wouldn't it be funny to put a greaser in all these different non-greaser scenarios? Mm. And it just seemed like a collection of like funny skits that they thought of. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Because it would be like, wouldn't it be funny if a greaser tried to play baseball? Wouldn't it be funny if a greaser tried to do this, tried to right. wrestle? And it was all just like... It's like Zuko was just so over the top about everything. Like, and, and you know, the, keeping the jacket on, the fact that his hair never got gre- sweaty. It was always in the same position, no matter how many sports he played. Absolutely. And I was like, dude, if you were running down the track like that, you're greasy. So to me, it just seemed like we were just doing a full on comedy skit, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love the basketball one where he gets the ball and like starts throwing punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's such God, a funny image to me. So dorky in the gym outfit. 
outfit. Oh, it yeah. was funny. Yeah, there's. I'm mad I haven't seen this before because there are two parts in Pulp Fiction that I now think are just exact re- references and callbacks to this movie because him ordering when him and Sandy go out to eat and yeah. he orders all that food. I don't know why it reminds me of the way he orders food when he's out with Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. And then him dressed up as a dork here. There's a scene where he has to borrow another character's clothes. And he's just wearing these corny ass blue shorts that are really high. And uh-huh. this ugly t-shirt. And the rest of the movie, he's in a suit. He's a cool gangster. And then like <laughs> they literally like they say, like, he looks like a dork. Like, you know, like like it's a whole funny scene of like, look at this cool guy in these whack clothes. Oh, nice. And now that I've seen this, I'm like, I feel like when Tarantino wrote that, he was like throwing back to Zuko. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We couldn't have planned this better. You guys look like. What do they look like, Jimmy? Dorks. <laughs> they look like a couple of dorks. <laughs> ha ha ha. Your clothes, motherfucker. The fact that they're all wearing chucks, too. Yeah. Like in all every sport. <laughs> oh, just wow. Watching what do, a time. Watching him do the hurdles was funny only because I did hurdles. So I, I was know. Like, I was like, oh, throwback. <laughs> when, when he is doing the hurdles, that's when Sandy and I forget what her, the guy she's dating is yeah, named the jock. That guy barely has a personality. I know. It's so, I, I think that guy plays not having a personality oh, yeah. very well. It's on purpose. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm not saying the actor did a bad job. <laughs> the funny thing about that guy is... The person who was originally supposed to play that role is a guy named Stephen Ford. Uh-huh. You might know him as being the son of our 38th president, oh. <laughs> Gerald Ford. <laughs> <laughs> and he backed out of the film due to stage fright. Wow. So they ended up casting this guy, Lorenzo Lamas, and he you know, dyed his hair blonde because they don't, didn't want him to look like one of the greasers. So stage, he dyed his hair blonde. Stage fright on a movie is so funny to me. I know. Like, but I mean, essentially, Olivia Newton-John had stage fright as well. There were a lot of moments where John Travolta had to like, and the director had to really make her feel comfortable on set. Is the word stage fright, though? I, I feel don't like know. It's a different word. It, it's probably a I different like, word. I was like, how could a pop star have stage fright? Like, yeah. I don't think it's stage fright. Like, that's true. Because like, I understand stage fright. Like, I'm not good in front of an audience, but like, not that I'm an actor, but I can. I don't mind making a fool myself in front of a camera because I know we're gonna do it ten times in a row, and then we're gonna pick the best one. You know, yeah. like, so it's. I don't know. I just find that funny. <laughs> but I think in this scene, Sandy sees for the first time that Danny's actually making an effort yeah. to sort of be better uh, because. We skipped it real briefly, but when they meet in the diner, you know, she's on a date with the jock and she's like, you know, at least he actually works hard at something. Yeah. And he took it as, well, if I do sports, maybe Sandy will like me again. So Zuko making this effort basically allows Sandy to say yes to his offer to take her to the prom. Yeah. What I find hilarious, though, is that even though they start dating again, he's still trying to essentially hide his relationship from his friends yeah it's literally impossible (laughs) that's it that's another part where i guess the reason why i thought his friends were going to be cooler because i was just like who is he posturing for Mm. like first of all a they're all fucking dorks like (laughs) like like big time dorks but b they're all trying to impress women on their own as well like they're all trying to get a date for the dance like when what's his name as frenchie out like he's like He's very corny and like lovey. So I don't get like who he's being cool for because outside of Kaniki, who is like the one guy who's like, yeah, I just want to 
get them laid and you know laid and paid or whatever the fuck he yeah. says. Like, it's not that, but I just found it funny where I'm like, yo, none of your friends are cool. Like, who are you right. worried is gonna make fun of you? I think you. I get it for the story. His, yeah, just, yeah, his yeah. friends are just so. I was like, you should be embarrassed for them. Like, but I think it's sort of speaking to the whole like roles that men in the fifties felt like they had to fill. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's sort of speaking to that. Because there's no reason why or a guy... Or tough guy roles. Yeah, the tough guy the roles. The traditional role is that you would find someone, fall in love, wait to get married, have sex when you're, after you're married. Like, that's the yeah. quote-unquote traditional male role. We, right. You know, raise a family, like, all that stuff. But, like, we're, we were in that era of, like, rebellious, you know, the, the teenage movement of the 50s. You know, they always say, like, there weren't really teenagers before the 50s. Mm. Like, that wasn't, a, that wasn't an identity before that. Like, you were just... You know, like that, that whole idea of like hanging out, going to going to the fucking malt shop and all that shit. Like yeah. that all came out in that decade. Yo, this movie is the reason why I freaking loved going to Johnny Rockets as a kid. That's so funny. I really, I wanted to get a burger. I wanted to hang out with my friends and like have this moment that they were having here, which is so dumb and cringy, but whatever. I love it. Yeah, it's pretty funny the way they all keep like just filling up the scene and filling up the table and getting bigger and bigger. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. so lively. There is a deleted scene that's not... I, I wish I could find the footage for it, but they shot one scene. If you remember correctly, as they're gathering at the table, you could tell that Rizzo and Kaniki have had a fight. Yeah. They shot a fight, a fight between them that happens before this scene, but they ended up taking it out. The producer refers to it as like a scene that Martin Scorsese would make. <laughs> like it was so dramatic and like a very like dark scene <laughs> that they were like, this doesn't really match the rest of the movie. So we're just going to leave it out. You could put together on your own, like what they're fighting. Yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't have any problem believing that they were fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they both have, you know, things going on. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everyone's asking each other th- to prom in this scene and. Frenchie's talking about how she's going to drop out and go to like a beauty school or something. Yeah. Actually, at this point, she has already dropped oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when everybody leaves the diner, she sort of stays behind and reveals her pink head and confesses that she has dropped out and beauty school is not going very well. She's not really sure what to do. Yeah, at the whole point. movie, she's been super confident whenever she talks about going to beauty school. Like she like she's tries to pierce Sandy's ears and she's, <laughs> she's telling everyone that she knows everything about beauty and all this. And it's the first time we see her admit to someone that she sucks and has no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I love this woman who plays Frenchie, Dee Dee. Yeah, she was adorable and her voice is actually like that <laughs> they were saying once she walked into the casting room and they heard her voice they're like you've got the role like it's all yours <laughs> just that personality oh she's so sweet you just want to be your friend that's great her sort of innocence in not knowing what to do is so relatable i think and really touched a lot of people for this song like beauty school dropout which was performed yeah. by yeah who was that that was Frankie Avalon. Oh, yeah, I know who he is. I didn't recognize him because I don't know what he looks like, really, but I know that's, I know uh, that singer by name. Uh, he was in Fireball 500, no, I, I, never, I don't know what that is. I don't know. Well, anyway, he, he was a star of this movie called Fireball 500, which apparently the director was an extra in that's a couple funny. years earlier. So he was talking about like how weird it is to be like directing this guy. This song was actually offered to Elvis first. Like You could see Elvis in yeah. this role, right? But he just ended up not having the time to commit to it. So Frankie Avalon ended up filling those shoes. 
And it's so funny that Dee Dee, the woman who plays Frenchie, was so concerned about having that like innocent, oh my God, I can't believe he's talking to me look in the yeah. scene. But once she was on set, she was like, I didn't have to act at all. Yeah. He was just so charming. Like I couldn't not be awed by him. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that cameo was probably awesome if you were alive when it came out. Like yes. it probably was like so funny. Because it's like, you know, they took someone who was famous at that time, but was still alive, you know. Absolutely. Like if you made a movie in the 90s and like, I don't even know who, but you got somebody who was just super famous for singing in the 90s and get him to like play it now, but <laughs> is younger. Exactly. And it's so funny too, because this guy has so many hits, but whenever he performs places, like he says, beauty school dropout is what everybody asks for. That's so funny. <laughs> and I think that leads us to the big prom scene. It does. Yeah. I just want to laugh at how... <laughs> How quickly Frenchie was able to drop out of high school, <laughs> get enrolled into a beauty school, right. drop out of that, and then jump back into high school all before the dance happened. <laughs> like, like this, you would take it would take two years of your life to do everything she just did. Like, I, you can't just come back to the middle of a semester after you leave <laughs> and jump right back in. <laughs> I like to think some time has passed because. But it had to be in the same school year. Oh yeah, it's definitely the same school yeah, I don't year. Think you, I don't think you could drop out of high school in 11th grade, try something out for four months, and then come back and pick up 11th grade where you left off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're going to be like, you have to at least wait until next year, and then maybe we'll consider bringing you back. <laughs> maybe she didn't even like officially drop out. Maybe she just stopped I, showing up. I think she officially dropped out. Oh. I don't care. It's not that kind of movie. I'm not yeah. watching I'm not watching it for those kind of facts. Like I know what this is, mm-hmm. so I'm not mad at it. I'm just, it was funny, so I wrote it down. Totally. <laughs> And again, this scene is the reason why I wanted to go to prom because I wanted a prom like this. And just the politics of like getting a date for prom too. I don't know about you, but like I remember that pressure of like having a date. Yeah. It sucked. Um, You know, Marnie and Rizzo go through that pressure because obviously Rizzo and Kaniki had a fight, so they're not going together. And I just find it hilarious that she's like, oh, I got the guy. And, you know, chooses his rival. Yep. Which, what the hell? He thinks he's taking two girls to prom? I don't know. I yeah, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm so hesitant to share, like, my prom finding story with you. Why? Because <laughs> it's so freaking dumb. Like, oh, mine's awful, so you can go ahead. Oh, yeah. ooh, you're going to share yours, though, right? Sure, I'll tell you. All right. It's just more like I'm, I just wasn't cool in high school, <laughs> so it's not a good story. <laughs> No, I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't either. I couldn't figure out like who I wanted to go to prom with, like at my school. And I was friends with this girl who I went to elementary school with her brother. Like we were in the same grade, but he now went to a different high school. And I don't know how it came to be, but it ended up being that my mom essentially got me my prom date. <laughs> <laughs> All right, not as bad as my story. <laughs> yeah, my parents didn't get involved. Yeah. Mine's pathetic, but yeah, Jesus yours, that's Christ. pretty funny. So <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't remember how this came to be, but I was friends with her because she went to my high school. And I think I went to her house for some reason. And then like my mom like drove me there. And then she was like, why don't you go to prom with my daughter, Masha? She needs a date. <laughs> and then he was like, all right. And then that's how that happened. Wow. 
<laughs> thank god he was such a nice guy Be- like i actually liked him like as a as a friend yeah. so it ended up not being like super awkward and he already knew a lot of my friends because we all went to the same elementary right, school so it wasn't too bad it was still like okay yeah but the fact that like it's really like i i can thank my mom for my prom day is pretty hilarious but yeah and the fact <laughs> that you were young dreaming about your prom <laughs> and then you, your mom had to grab your day is pretty great yeah that's pretty so hilarious. that's my problem i mean it's weird too because i did end up being prom queen which i have no idea <laughs> wow i didn't you never told me that what i don't think so oh i was prom queen whoa i mean i know your school was small but <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea how the hell that happened but yeah it's just funny nice that's awesome <laughs> how about oh, you your great. turn oh god yeah, mine sucks. I didn't ask anyone in my school just because I was a punk. Like, I just wasn't cool. I wasn't wasn't getting girls in high school at all. Were you trying? Eh, barely. Like, yeah. I was just trying to be like, I was just thought, of, you know, like, I just thought if I played it cool all the time. You know, if, if you try, then you fail. If you yeah. don't try, you're cool, which is stupid. Yeah. So I just didn't try. Uh, I wasn't even going to go to prom. I was just like, fuck that. Like, oh, prom, what, you know, I guess, but $300 and that. <laughs> rather just, you know, hang out with people. <laughs> prom. Oh, that's so funny. All posturing because I was probably just sad that I didn't have a day and I was working at Best Buy at the time and I had a co-worker and uh yeah actually I had a pretty pretty big crush on her at the time Ooh. um we were just like buds we were about the same age we went to different high schools but we were both cashiers like 16 years old yeah uh she was super cute and just like fun and you know we just got along really well cuter than me uh, nope um but she had like a boyfriend in her school and all this so like it was always just like a work friendship blah 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 and then it was coming up towards the end of senior year and you know she was talking about prom like oh my prom's on this day i'm gonna do this and this and this and this yeah and then she like asked me what i'm gonna do for prom and i was like oh i'm not going i don't think i'm gonna go to prom and she was like you're not going to prom and i was like no and she was like why not it was like i was like i don't know i just want to go i didn't ask anyone it's like too late and then she was like andy you have to go to prom I will be your prom date. We are going to prom. Oh, wow. And then, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. And like, you know, she was like hot and stuff. So I was like, oh, I have a hot prom date. That's. But in reality, I was like going with someone else's girlfriend. And like, she had no intent. Like nothing happened. Like it was truly like a friend taking a friend to prom. But that's really cool. It was awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. But like, you know, as the sad sack loser I was where I was just like. You know, oh, I like her, but I'm not actually going with her. Like, you know, like, it just kind of, like, sucked. Oh, You know my what I gosh. mean? And, like, of course, I thought something was going to happen. And I already, her and her boyfriend were the worst for each other. Like, she already, she talked mad shit about him all the time. So, oh, like, dang. I knew, I knew they weren't, like, going to make it, you know? So, I was just like, yeah, yeah, well, eventually she'll stop dating him, blah, blah, But, yeah, nothing happened. And so, that's what I just made. I was like, it's a very pathetic prom where I just, like. That's not I got ta- I got taken out of pity. By someone, by a girl who already had a boyfriend and had no interest in, in being romantic at all. Like, so it's just, it's very funny. Oh, that is so funny. Um, yeah, it's all good. It's part of being a kid. Yeah. Did you <laughs> but, get her corsage? Yeah, yeah. I did nice. all that shit. Yeah. Um, and then the funny part was there was eight of us in our prom group. And then my friend who was supposed to get us the limo uh, fucked it up and got a limo that fits six and not oh. eight. So, it, like, even the ride there sucked. Like, two <laughs> people had to, like basically not sit like you know like Jesus. it was just like it was just like a 
pretty dumb prom. It wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't great. And in the end, it was, yes, I spent so-and-so money to rent a suit, so-and-so money to rent... Like, I spent, like, $500 when it was all over. Yeah. And, like, for what? Like, yeah, you're paying for the experience to, like, post pictures on it. I know, but, like, it's, like, if I had, like, a true date or, like, you know, it was, like, nothing was magical about the night at all. Like, yeah. it was just, like, yeah, I did it, you know? Yeah. And, like, and then my dumb 18-year-old was, like, hey, at least I'll have a picture with, like, a hot prom date. Yeah. Like, now I'm old enough where I'm, like, what am I... Like, I'll just tell you the real story. Like, am I going to lie <laughs> about my past? Like... Oh my fuck. god! Like, you know, high school was high school. Like nobody. I don't care how cool you thought you were. You weren't fucking cool. The yeah. coolest kid in the world is a goddamn dork. You ever met a high schooler like at this age? You're like, God, you guys are fucking losers. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate high school kids. So like, I don't know why everyone thinks that it's important to pretend you used to be cool in high school. Like, no, I wasn't, and I'm kind of glad I wasn't because I look at the guys who were, and they're kind of losers now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Even thinking about the dancing, like when I think about how, how I danced at prom and like yeah. how these guys are dancing in this movie, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so different. <laughs> oh, and one other side thing that's also sad about my story is there actually was a girl who did like me, but I didn't really like her back. Oh, my God. And like. Wait, why didn't you like her back? I don't know. I was just. It was all just dumb kid stuff. Just like. You know, like, she just, I don't know, just, I was, you, you think, I'm, I feel like you think more about your status in high school than you do oh, yeah. that, and you're just like, you know, she wasn't like a cool, cool kid, which, I don't, I don't know where she is now, but I'm sure she's fucking awesome now, you know Damn. what I mean? So, I do, like, I think about that sometimes, too, where, like, she, she ended up going without a date, because I, like, she didn't really, like, ask me, but she, like, insinuated a lot that she wanted me to ask her. Oh, my God, and I, Andy. And I didn't. And then I just uh, I felt bad. We did dance though. I told her I'd save her a dance, and we did dance once. Like it was a fast dance. It wasn't a slow dance, but like yeah, I get, I, we, we did we did do oh, a dance. That must have made her night. Uh, that one dance. Uh, right. I mean, it was me. Relax. It was. <laughs> I don't know. Excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to talk to you with the break up with me by the time this is over. <laughs> no. You're going to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Got friend zoned at the prom. What a I dork. can't believe you did. <laughs> I'm learning so much from this kid. Uh, right. This episode is long, yo. Oh, Jesus. Let's, let's get back to the movie. All right. So this scene, this prom scene, took yeah. a week to shoot. I believe it. And I, I've never appreciated so much a DP until this scene. Like... The camera angles and just how they shot it was just, it's so spectacular. Yeah, it looked awesome. And uh, I, it, it looked a lot like the end of Footloose. And I could almost see those mm. filmmakers like using this as an inspiration on filming that. Yeah. Yeah, I dug it. I called it a uh, white ass soul train because they it's <laughs> very white soul train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> a lot of the songs that were cut from the original musical were actually used as background during this scene. Oh, so like cool. a lot of the songs that you hear in the background, um, which I didn't mention at the top, but a lot of the songs that were cut were really songs from the side characters like that develop, developed their plot and their characters forward. Uh-huh. And the reason for that being that they really wanted to make, you know, Danny and yeah. Sandy the, the stars here. I think it was a smart move. Yeah. I don't think I needed Duty's backstory. This scene was shot in an actual at an actual high school. The problem was that the high school did not have air conditioning, Oof. so the room got up to like 116 degrees. Yeah, all those old school lights. Yeah. Those lights were a motherfucker back then. It was insane. So a lot of people had like heat-related illnesses because of like how hot it was to shoot in there. Wow. And all the buzz around the excitement of this prom in particular is that it's live broadcasted, yeah. right? For everybody to see nationally. Uh-huh. 
and it's funny too because eventually we see that Danny has this like past relationship with this girl named Cha Cha. Yeah. And she ends up stealing the spotlight from Sandy eventually. But what I didn't know is that earlier on in the competition where Danny and Sandy are dancing together, that wasn't actually written in the script. Cha-Cha was supposed to come into the picture and steal that spotlight way earlier. Oh, really? Sandy was originally not going to be a part of like that whole dance. But once the choreographer saw that she could actually dance, they were like, oh, okay, let's have them sort of have their clean cut dance sequence at the beginning of the competition yeah. and then have cha-cha slide in much later. Yeah, I like that better too. I think because it's more believable that Travolta would have finished the dance because she came in at the very end. Mm-hmm. But like if she tried to cut in before he even started dancing, he would have been like, no, I'm here with Sandy. You right. know, like, but the fact that he did like four minutes of dancing and then she came in for the last minute, I could just see him being like in the zone knowing the cameras are on and being yes. like, I'm going to finish this and I'll go talk to Sandy. Yeah, and I think the cameras add another element like you just said of not being able to to sort of have that conversation in the middle of the floor because it's live, baby. Exactly. (laughs) A choice that the choreographer made, which I think shines through the most in this scene, is that she wanted to make sure that the choreography was as raunchy as, like, teenagers were. Yeah. So I I think that was really representative in, like, how the teens were dancing. What what would be, like, our version of grinding today? You know what I mean? twerking or whatever. Yeah, it's so interesting to see. Like, even Rizzo shimmying and, like, grabbing of the boobs. Like, come on, guys. That's That's so so funny. (laughs) Not gonna lie, I had a huge crush on Kaniki for a short period of my life (laughs) because of the scene and the way he's dancing with Cha-Cha. That's funny. I don't know why. (laughs) It was, like, my bad boy crush phase. You know what I mean? You know how on the sidelines where you see people who have been cut from the competition doing the hand jive? Yeah. A lot of people thought that was sped up, but it actually wasn't. Like, they were going at oh, that yeah, pace. Oh, yeah. That's funny. I don't understand how everybody is good at dancing, like, in this. I mean, I know they're professional dancers <laughs> yeah, like, in the backgrounds, but I'm talking about, like, the actual actors. Like, I think they did a really great job, especially John Travolta. Like, everyone's so good at yeah. dancing. In the movies, flips, you in know? In movies like this, I like to look for when the stunt doubles are there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it from time to time with John Travolta, but a lot of the times I didn't. And I was like, look at that. Like, I don't know if he had one in this movie. Yeah, he did. He did? Yeah, I saw it. Ugh. At the, I mean, 100, 100% he had it for the driving scene. Like, I, I could go put the movie on right now and show you where, where you can see it oh. very clearly. But I did see it a couple times in the dancing, too. Mm. But, uh, yeah, when he makes the, when the car jump happens later, it's like, it's it's the same thing as Terminator 2. Like, if you pause it, you're like, that isn't, doesn't even look like John Travolta. Wow. But it happens so fast. Like, you're not. Right. It's just, I look for weird shit like that just because I don't know why. I just love to, like, be like, yep, that's not on a Schwarzenegger. God damn it, Andy. Stop looking for nits to pick. But last thing about the prom scene. I'm sorry. We can't leave the scene without talking about Vince Fontaine. Remember Vince Fontaine? No. Vince Fontaine is the host that sort of runs yes, this whole yes, live yes, production. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why it took me until last night to hear that line that Marnie says where she caught Vince Fontaine trying to sneak an aspirin in her Coke. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've watched this movie a million times. <laughs> a million times. I've never heard that line for what it is. At this point. I, I'm telling you, after the gangbang line, I was like, <laughs> I, the movie crossed the line where nothing shocked me anymore. I'm like, yeah, ladies will cream. This, this lady's getting a Mickey and raped later on. Sure. This whole fucking movie is sexually deviant as fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I do think that it was a creative way to give that character something to do because she was the one cast member who 
couldn't really dance. Uh, so okay. they actually gave her character something to do during the prom. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, we can move on since, you know, I'm telling you all the facts that I learned here. Yeah, I don't need to know <laughs> what they ate on lunch on the day that they shot that I'll scene. just tell you <laughs> offline and, you know, if anybody has questions, yeah. you can look on the internet. It's fine. Yeah, We're anyone, just going to go over our favorite If anyone stuff. knows what time the actors have to wake up in the morning to go to work, Masha <laughs> found that out. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know about any other lady, but I would not go on a date with a guy who ditched me on national TV after, the, <laughs> you know, like I can't, I couldn't believe that Sandy went to the drive-in with yeah. Danny after this. Yeah. And then he had the nerve to like hit on her and try and sleep with her too. Yeah. Yeah. This scene still makes me a little uncomfortable. You know, the whole elbowing of the, the chest and what I found hilarious was him giving her the ring and her response being, oh, now I know you respect me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, we want to talk about the, the, the dated, uh, like, relationship dynamics. This scene is where it's the, it's the most. Yes. But yeah, yeah, it's like, I feel plot-wise, the movie does kind of take a dive for me at this point till the end of the movie. Interesting. Where I feel like they're not, I don't know, it just seems everything either happens way too easy or just isn't, like, connected as well. Hmm. To the point even where, like, so Zugo tries to, he's not there, but he's, like, two steps related to, like, a date rape, almost here. Mm. You know, like, she says no, he keeps trying, eventually he stops. But it's it's a little borderline. Yeah. And then she leaves him, and that's when he sings the Oh Sandy song. Yes. And I just didn't buy it. Yeah. I didn't buy it at all. Like I was like, "What are you bitching about?" Like, like he he's he sings a song as if she just did him dirty. Yes. And I was just like, "I don't I don't see why you're crying at the moon right now, sir." I <laughs> I honestly agree with you, and I felt that way back then. Yeah. And I've always had that feeling too. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't understand why he felt like he was betrayed. Yeah. I can tell you that that song was written in one night. And <laughs> there was a little bit of controversy here where, you know, when he's performing this song, it's in front of this cartoon that's happening in the background. Yeah. That was very deliberate. I don't know how much attention you were paying. I, I don't know how much attention yeah. you were paying to that. But the director really wanted like something else to be happening on screen, especially when at the end of the song as the song is concluding there's a wiener that's going into a bun oh i saw <laughs> again i didn't say these are clever subtle innuendos they're just innuendos john travolta was not about that he wanted him to he wanted to be the center of the scene he didn't want anything happening in the background he even wanted this song to end up on a close-up of his face but he that was an argument that he did not win yeah fine <laughs> i don't know I, I don't know about the song in general we were talking earlier how you know any good music song in a musical is fun catchy all that good stuff but it also furthers either an emotion a story arc a character arc yeah something moves forward or we learn something or we're getting a, a look into someone's emotions that we didn't know were there and i think most almost every song in this movie captures that this one i didn't think so i didn't mm. learn shit I was just like, yeah, I already know. You huh. love Sandy. Like, right. like, you loved her before. You did all that sports shit to prove that you did it. Like, I don't really think we needed that. Yeah. Like, and if so, A, I didn't feel bad for him. So it was like this weird sympathy song where, like, we're supposed to be like, oh, he loves her, but he just, he, she doesn't love him back. I didn't buy that. And then also, I just didn't think we needed it because mm. I already knew that he felt that way. Right. So that was just my take on it. All right, cool. 
simultaneously we oh, have and they're, and they're watching the blob which is a fantastic movie. oh right you knew what the blob was during the preview oh right they, away. they so showed the yeah yeah i just saw the, the first first couple the font and i was like that's the blob right there <laughs> and i saw the fonts yeah the blob is great and the 1970s remake of the blob also great that is so funny two great blob movies in your future if you haven't seen them i think this is my favorite depiction of gossip traveling <laughs> that's pretty funny in the drive-in scene where rizzo's <laughs> news of being pregnant just travels throughout yeah. and reaches her it's so great oh i know i said i stopped writing down the the dirty or like r-rated lines but i did write down her i feel like a broken typewriter i missed a period <laughs> and i was like no. that's how you say you're pregnant Ah, <laughs> like, oh, that's so good <laughs> that one was pretty good first of all this song her song almost got cut of her dealing with her pregnancy. Really? Um, yes. She had to, uh, Stockard had to fight for that song to stay in. She was like, it doesn't, you need my character. Like, it yeah, closes her Her character her would have nothing else to do in the movie. Yeah. Like, she would, she would have, yeah, it would have just petered out without anything. When I watched this when I was younger, that was the craziest song I've ever heard. Like, I've never seen that perspective before of, like, teenage pre- pregnancy. I think this was my first exposure to that. Uh-huh. So... I was really, I was really like affected by this song and kind of scared, scared about like ever becoming a teen mom yeah, and uh-huh. like dealing with that, but also seeing the dynamics of a character, character like Rizzo and how she has a tough exterior, but is really like vulnerable you know, and scared. Exactly. Yeah. From there, we go uh, to the car chase scene, which is 100% necessary in any 50s nostalgia movie. My favorite scene in this movie emotionally is the scene that happens right before this between Danny and Kaniki. Oh, and he asked him to, to be there for him in the race? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm biased clearly because I love this movie, but yeah. I think this is the second time we see Kaniki being very vulnerable and the guy who plays Kaniki really fought for how the scene played out because originally in the script, they were supposed to hug at that moment, like a genuine hug. Uh-huh. But he was like, guys in the 50s wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have wanted to show that that kind of vulnerability. Yeah, it would have been gay panic. Especially, <laughs> exactly. Thought, we're not gay, we're not gay, we're not gay. <laughs> I don't suck, dick. <laughs> Especially in front of their friends. Yeah, like, they exactly. got to keep up an image, right? So they're the ones who brought that, like, playful, like, hitting into a hug and yeah, then yeah. playing it cool. Yeah, and then immediately doing the hair thing. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I always, from that scene, I took that Kaniki always had the intention of not racing at Thunder Road. Oh, interesting. I could buy that. Yeah, I didn't. I never saw the movie, so I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. But yeah, I can, I can see that. And they're racing for pinks. Yeah, just like Fast and Furious. Oh, yep, there it is. That's what I was <laughs> waiting for. <laughs> yeah, racing for pinks is classic. But yeah, in general, though, I mean, the muscle cars of the 50s, like there's a reason why... That scene is an American graffiti. Why there are times? Oh, know, that scene's an American graffiti. Yeah, yeah. You always got to do the race scene. Muscle cars were such a big part of American culture at the, in the fifties. So the the whole racing and even the fact that like it's not the reason for the movies to exist, but the through line throughout it is them fixing this car. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of like the one plot line that is like keeping. It's like a thread that's keeping everything kind of moving forward. And yeah, so they they do the race scene. Kaniki ends up getting bonked on the head, which. I will take your theory that he never wanted a race because that bonk on the head seemed so small. Yes. Like, it just seemed so weak and, like... That's why I never bought it. Yeah, and then he just fell down and then this acted all goofy, uh, which had uh, 
so then Zuko had to step yeah. up and race for him. Yeah, the fact that he's like, whoa, what's happening? And then when Danny's like, do you want me to do it? He's like, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. I just never... I, never I like it. Yeah, yeah, he was scared, but he, he had to be tough, so he had to make up this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think Zuko probably realized that too and was like, well, he's my boy, so I got I to gotta get his back. I can't let people know that my boy's scared, you know? Like, yeah. And not to mention the coolest teacher on earth was there supporting this yeah. illegal race. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> that was so ridiculous. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> the only rules are there are no rules. <laughs> Award for coolest teacher of yeah. all time. We had a, the, a classic, you know, spikes coming out of the side of one vehicle. I don't even know where that originated, but that shit is as old as, as <laughs> time. I'm in in a visual race. Uh huh. I know my first th- was it was in the Little Rascals movie in the nineties. Oh the, yeah. The rich kids had it, and they go, "Yikes, spikes!" <laughs> when it comes out. I remember that. <laughs> Little rich boy had spikes in his car. So yeah, uh, we get this pretty sweet, pretty sweet car chase. Got some good danger, some good. You know, it definitely shows that the filmmakers were trying with the broad appeal, like put a little bit for, for everybody in this. Mm-hmm. So like. I could just see them talking and being like, girlfriends are going to take their boyfriends to this movie, and if they don't like singing and dancing, we'll put some cool car racing in there so yeah. to keep them from getting bored, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it was it was cool, and it was just, it kind of helped paint the whole picture of, like, this love letter to the 50s. Yeah. Because they already paid love to the music, they paid love to the to the personalities and the, the stereotypes, they played love to the musicals of that era, so, like, this is the one thing that was left. Totally. And I don't know why, but I didn't realize that this was called drag racing. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I, when I think of drag race, I think of like actual drag, like people in drag. That's hilarious. Like RuPaul's Drag Race. That's yeah, what that's, I think of. That's he's that's a play off of drag I race. I know. I know. Like it's a clever <laughs> title because drag racing already exists. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There was someone at work who was like, I was really into drag racing back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> <laughs> like to dress in drag but what's the racing part i don't, I don't know <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you're like i i always thought a drag race was people in drag <laughs> <laughs> i was like ooh, that gives me a different perspective on you no. <laughs> so now i know yeah you were today years old when you found <laughs> yeah, the, exactly the drag i was today racing. years old <laughs> So the end of the scene is so epic, right? The whole like jumping of the car yeah. into the splashing water. That's the stunt double part. Yeah. And him in slow oh. motion, you can see it. Yeah. Damn. I'm not even looking at Listen, that. Listen, my favorite movie is Terminator 2 and it has the most egregious stunt double <laughs> use of all time. It's so obvious. But go on. So that water was contaminated with like, you know, it was t- dirty water yeah, right? yeah. outside. So a lot of the cast and crew members ended up getting sick, like because they had like contact with the water because of that splash, which is this is like the second time people on this yeah. production got sick. Seriously. So they went through a lot this summer. Like they actually <laughs> shot this in the summertime. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny that Sandy's watching. I don't know why she took her shoes off, but she's watching from a distance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this whole race. And I guess makes a decision that she's going to change or make a change for Danny. Yeah. We don't know what that change is. Yes. But we will find out in the spoiler section. Oh, man. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> So yeah, this this I've obviously seen before. I've seen this imagery of Olivia Newton-John in her all-leather sexy outfit. Yeah. The sexy outfit that they had to sew her into. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy though that as amazing that this as this scene was, they shot we're able to shoot it in one afternoon. Really? As elaborate as it was. Wow. Yeah. And 
an interesting marketing play here is that the song You're the One That I Want was a song that they released prior to this movie's release. Oh, really? Yeah. They released it months before the movie came out, So, and it ended up charting. Wow. So it, it actually helped them in the long run because it got people excited for the movie to come out. A movie that the studio had no faith in yeah, whatsoever. That's so funny. Olivia's look is iconic here. Yep. Like she comes out all black, all sexy, ready to change herself for Danny Zuko. Yeah. And what I liked here is that the director said that he, he it was basically a play for him. Usually in these movies, like the girl changes the guy. Yeah. So he wanted a twist here where the guy kind of changes the girl. Okay. I don't know if it. I don't know if I agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I meant where like the whole second last chunk of this movie, I was like, it wraps up quickly and uh, I don't know. It's, but I mean. I mean, I, I have my last note is nothing was that resolved. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But the music makes up for oh, it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it was a great song. The Shamalamazons were great. Oh, my God. But you're the one that I love the choreography and. You're the one that I Johnny Travolta's I Got Chills, the Multiplying. Yeah, uh, it's no, it's a great song. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, this the, the whole second, this whole last chunk of the movie, I was like, man, I thought they were going to have like at least a conversation. Mm. So, because I always knew this was, the, this was what the movie was. I always knew it was they get together, he's actually a bad boy, and then she ends up becoming like a bad girl, yeah. and they get together. But I was shocked that it was this late in the movie. Mm. I really thought it was going to happen earlier and then there was going to be more movie that I didn't know about. This was like the opposite of most times where I, like, <laughs> you know, Ghost who wrote that up. I thought the whole thing was the clay scene and then I couldn't believe that there was two hours of movie after the clay scene. Yep. So this, I was the opposite where I was like, there's got to be another hour after she becomes sexy Sandy and then they learn something. Yeah. But nope. Just put on some leather, dress like Catwoman and you'll fucking... Yeah. You're they good. honestly wrap it up real quick. They have this scene and then... You know, they go straight into We Go Together. Yeah. Another song written for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so you're oh, the one that funny. I want and We Go Together, um, which the director hated. And Summer Love. He Lovin'. hated that song. Really? Yeah. Was it me in fucking fourth grade? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they hired an actual carnival for this scene. Yeah. Like the, the crew, the production team. Because you even said it too, you were like, "What the hell?" Like as a senior year like wrap up. Yeah, well, because well, the camera was panning out, and then all of a sudden there was like a Ferris wheel, and I was like, "They built that on the high school." Like, <laughs> Where is this located? And also, even like the fact that the greasers were at the carnival was already. I was like, "Yeah, like greasers wouldn't be doing that. Like you guys mm. aren't cool at all." Like no, you there's these... food, there's rides, there's girls. Come on, rides. I feel like they were just too old for all of that. Uh... Like we're talking about an era when you were like eighteen, like like. You were fucking old. Like, you were an adult. Like, yeah. I feel like you threw away childish shit way earlier than we do now, where I'm still playing Mario Brothers. I don't give a fuck how old I am, you know? Like, but I, I think it was less about the carnival and more about these are our last moments together. Yeah, I guess. You know? Yeah, fair enough. So, I, I think it wraps up pretty nicely, and I was getting a little nostalgic about high school here, watching this last night. Just remembering, you know, that... You're not hanging out with your high school friends like you saw each other every day. Yeah. Kind of, I feel like how you felt with um what's that movie called? Days and Confused. I felt I feel the same way like you felt in Days and Confused. Like I was getting nostalgic in that way where I like missed my high school friends. Bro. Yeah, I guess so. I just but like all those characters in that movie, I believed that they would bring a keg into the woods and get drunk and smoke pot. Mm. 
I just didn't believe these cool guys <laughs> would be at a carnival with cotton candies and, and teddy bears and shit. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But again, this movie's already proven time and time again these aren't traditional. It's a, these are parodies of greasers. These aren't greasers. Right. Like, I, I couldn't imagine the cast of The Outsiders at a carnival playing games together sharing cotton candy. Mm -hmm. Like, they were just too, like, tough. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I could see them drinking beer outside of the carnival, throwing beer bottles on the ground, and maybe playing with their knives. Like, I could see that. You yeah. know? Like, I just couldn't see them... Okay. That's what I meant, where I'm like, these guys, they're not cool. Like, at all. <laughs> like, I don't care I what this you. movie's trying to tell me about greasers. I got you. But again, I didn't... If this movie wasn't so comedic and so silly, I would have had more of a problem with that. But this movie doesn't exist in reality like it's a very campy world that it lives in so yeah. i like it it's not it's not me saying like this is fucking stupid <laughs> i'm just saying that's what i thought it was going that's what i thought it was going to be and then it, i got the opposite totally yeah. and we get our happy ending here yep. you know danny and sandy end up being together and fly into the sky and yep. wave, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> wave goodbye does it make sense <laughs> do we love it Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, think, I think some of the lessons we're teaching here at the end. <laughs> it's like, I just don't get, like, Danny does her dirty twice in a row. And then the movie language is like, feel bad for Danny. And then she better do something to make it up to him. Well, he got his Letterman jacket. He did what he was supposed to do. Wait, what do you mean? According to the movie. <laughs> Remember, he's like, oh, you're a jock now? Which is, I found hilarious because usually you get your letters during the year. Yeah. Like, it means nothing once you graduate. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand that at all. If you almost get date raped, then do your best to appeal to that guy. Right. Like, I don't, I don't know. Again, different times are appeared. I don't want to say, I don't want this to be yeah. this podcast or... We're talking about how problematic Greece is. I just thought it was like, I feel like another pass could have got me somewhere with that ending. Because here's here's the what I kind of connected in my head that I don't think the movie necessarily sold me on this. But what I could believe is that it starts off, she hates Danny for who he is. Mm -hmm. Like like the Greaser Danny. Okay. She, you know, she when she wants to go to high school, she meets that Danny. She's like, I fucking hate this guy. It's him putting the effort into being an athlete. That makes her like him again because she's like, oh, he actually cares about me and he's showing interest in my stuff to get me to like him. Then they get into their fight, blah, blah, blah. When she watches the car race, maybe that's she's seeing him doing something virtuistic for her for his friend. And she's seeing like, oh, he actually does care about people and he is a good guy. Mm. So maybe I should make the effort to show that I can be more like him because he already made the effort earlier in the movie to show that he could be more like me. And so they're like meeting on an even ground. Right. Like I could buy that. I just don't, I just don't, I think the you movie. You don't think it accomplished I think it, it, it Yeah. It needs to have a couple, another scene or another conversation, just something to show me that's where it's going. Yeah. But I could see looking at it that way to be like, otherwise it just looks mad unhealthy. It yeah. just looks well, like. Well, he, you know, she's in the black and he's in the white. Yeah. Yeah. And they come together when he takes the jacket off yeah. and they're both in black. So they they do do that. But what it, you're it, yeah, it's just so funny that like his biggest problem with her was that she won't put out and then she dresses like, like quote unquote sluttier and then he's like fucking dope. Like now I love her. <laughs> you know, like, like it's just mad like it's just it's like You know, I can accept this. What I can accept is the fact that Kaniki straight up dished Rizzo when she was pregnant. Yep. And then she goes, I'm not pregnant. He was like, Sweet, let's get back together. <laughs> 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 hey man, Kaniki knows who he is. <laughs> he, ne he never tried to pretend like he wasn't a dick. Ah, uh, yeah. So I I would argue that that's way worse. <laughs> but on that note, you want to bounce into best worst? Yeah, yes, yes, please. 
I try not to go too crazy, but uh, I will let you go first. All right. Well, I feel like I'm going to go just obvious that we both probably have a musical. That's where song. At the end of the day, my best has to be Summer Nights. I love that song. That's Summer Lovin'? Summer Lovin', Wait, Summer Nights, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's mine too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Most of the songs were pretty damn good, but uh, this one just hooked me with uh, the comedy in it. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Like the her version of the story versus his version of the story. And, you know, it was, it was a clever little way to, to get the exposition out. Yeah. I liked it. It's a great karaoke song also, and I know you love karaoke. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> Ooh, next karaoke. We're doing it. Oh, COVID canceled all karaoke. Too bad. <laughs> you know, I would have, but the COVID. You know, we got to uh, stay indoors. So we could do it at home. No, I got to stay indoors. Uh, and we could do it at home. Uh, we don't have a machine. We got YouTube. No, nah, we don't have microphones. All right. What are you talking about <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> I was trying to slide that one through. <laughs> all right. I feel like we have the same words based off our conversation. Oh, Sandy? Yeah. <laughs> got to cut it. Yeah. It was never my favorite. Didn't we kind of talked about it already? So I think uh, we don't have to cover it again. But yeah, I figured that would be the case. All right. Out of the T Birds and the Pink Ladies, who are your favorites? Oh, I got that too. Ooh, nice. Except I wrote best for Slacky. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Gotta give it to Frenchie. Oh yes. Yeah, I enjoyed her. I liked her. Uh, even though her unbelievable timeline of her storyline, I still enjoyed just. <laughs> kind of she had her just funny personality she was mad outgoing and since there were a lot of characters the fact that she even just stood out like above them all in terms of me remembering everything that she did and said mm-hmm. i was like that's an accomplishment because it's, it's easy to blend into the background uh, on this one yeah what do you get i actually went with jan <laughs> i don't know why but maybe it is like her sort of night whatever naivety she has about her but she always makes me laugh especially like in the sleepover scene when she was like brush up brush up brush up i don't know why that always makes me laugh (laughs) but she just always seems so genuine and sweet and i don't know she's just a unique one but i i totally agree with frenchie 100 percent. but i picked jan okay and for my worst i went with sunny yeah. I've always been salty towards Sonny because he's the one that sort of drags Sandy away during the prom scene. Yeah, that's funny. So I've always felt some type of way about him. I didn't like Sonny that much. He, he was he was my least favorite T-Bird, mm. but I'm sorry I have to go Jan on this I one. I knew you were going to. I just couldn't stand the eating. If you just cut it out or ate normal. I, I wasn't bothered by that. That It wasn't just that too, but it was what I said earlier where I just felt like they wrote her... She like was written younger. Like yeah. even the thing you just said, the brush up brush, it was like funny. But again, I was like, aren't you guys eighteen? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I just couldn't imagine like one of the like tough girls being like brush up brush up brush up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just, guess so. To me, it was just like it was weird and off putting. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I remember always being hungry in high school. So maybe that's why I always had a soft spot for her. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's not that she likes food; just how gross she eats. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's true. It was like the fact that I had to see chocolate in her two big front yeah. teeth. Like this was another case of them or the movie addressing her as the fat girl, but me just not seeing. Oh, it at not all. at all. Yeah, I was like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? Cool. What do you What do you got next? I only have one left, and I picked uh, Travolta quote. Ooh, <laughs> I know exactly what you picked for your best. You do? Yeah. Why don't you guess? You picked the bonfire. Wait, what is the bonfire? 
you know, rocking, rolling, uh, and whatnot. <laughs> I did pick that, but we always have different criteria for what best words is. So I put that as my worst. Oh, just, really? I love, it's hilarious, but it's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it didn't even address, she's like, what happened to you? She's like, ah, you know, baby, rocking, rolling, <laughs> and whatnot. I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> so that was ridiculous. Uh, so that was your worst. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I love it, but like, because it's so bad that's well, hilarious i feel like you pulled a me just there <laughs> i don't know do i piggyback off that scene and just pick that's my name don't wear it out yeah that's pretty corny <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll choose that as my worst All right, cool cool and best danny zuko one <laughs> this one was hard i wrote one down but i don't even know if it's the best because it's the one that i just didn't see coming and it caught me off guard was just when they're at the diner uh, and I wrote it down just when he orders his food, basically, because he's like, I'm not hungry. And she was like, all right. And then the wait just comes and he's like, yeah, just he's like, I'm not very hungry. Just give me a double polar burger with everything and a soda <laughs> with chocolate ice cream. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was just like, oh, OK, that's that's pretty great. <laughs> and I know it's not really related to it, but, you know, the fame is the famous diner scene of him in Pulp Fiction. And he's ordering a big fat steak and a five dollar milkshake and all that. So it just like kind of felt like that was a throwback to this a little bit. Nice. Probably wasn't, but it felt like it. I don't know. I'm having trouble getting, like, just picking a simple best line. So I think I might just go, why couldn't it be Grease Lightning? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Even though that wasn't originally supposed to be his line. Oh, he stole it. He had cool. so much of that Travolta clout. He was fucking stealing everyone's shit. Oh, yeah. He's like, give me that song. <laughs> I My next category is best worst 50s thing. <laughs> <laughs> and my best was just hanging out at the diner. Oh, man. <laughs> I would love to be friends with the waitresses and order milkshakes and burgers with my buddies. Yeah. that's That just looks like a good time. Of course, you know, a, a non-segregated diner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One caveat. Best 50s things milkshake. Worst 50s things segregation. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, no racism on the side. Yeah. Thank you. I just find it funny. It's like... Oh, best hula hoops for sure. <laughs> Worst police dogs. Yeah, <laughs> fuck those things. <laughs> uh, but my real answer, uh, I don't know, kind of, even though I'm not really that into cars now, I feel like muscle cars are pretty cool. Mm. And I feel like I could have been roped up in that culture at that time. You know, you're not, you're not like, you know, you don't watch a bunch of TV and shit. So you got stuff, you know, yeah. other ways to occupy your, your free time. I feel like I kind of got into that. Oh, totally. Chilling in the garage. Especially knowing that you're hu bigger than me anyway. Fast and Furious fan. Ew. So that's cool. And what about worse? Worst 50s thing. Honestly, probably all the hair grease for the dudes. I just feel Oof. like it's just, it's just a lot. It's probably not good for your hair. Yeah. I think like it's just gross too. Like every time you put your head on something, you're getting grease everywhere. Yeah. And I find it funny that like, you know, in the 50s version, we talk about that scene where him and uh, Kaniki and Danny kind of hug for a moment and then they, they kind of like, oh, we don't want to be gay. And so, like, in order to be cool and not gay, they start pulling out combs and doing their hair. Yes. And I just find it funny that, like, if this was the, if it was like the 90s, the whole, like, metrosexual, that's like, that joke is that if you mm -hmm. care about, if you take care of yourself as a man, you are gay. Right. So I just find it funny to prove they're not gay. They, like, do their hair, you know? And totally. On, on, from a stereotypical standpoint, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I th I'm gonna go. Is it called Greece? I'm, I'm gonna say Greece is the worst. <laughs> oh damn! Shots fired. You have a worst besides racism. Like yeah, I'm not even. I'm putting that to the side <laughs> yeah, since there that, were no black people in this movie. Yeah, that, we didn't have to cross. <laughs> we didn't have to talk about that in this movie. <laughs> but we don't talk I, about that in any of these 
glorifying the 50s nostalgia movies. Right. But I did put as my worst women's roles and expectations and how they were treated. Just yeah. basically like all the sucky things about women and how like how they're talked to in this movie. Yeah. Or talked about is my worst. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, bite the weenie, Riz. <laughs> that wraps it up for me, Ooh. actually. All right, so let's go beyond then. <laughs> kind of hard to say, but I think it's pretty reasonable to believe that Danny and Sandy stay together. I don't know about forever, because <laughs> high school, it's tough. You know, like, even if you guys are a great match in high school, people just change as they grow older. Yeah. But I think they at least stick it through throughout high school. Like, Because I, I do think they are, like, a good match personality-wise for each other. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, from the kind of romantic getting together angle yeah i think i think they make it work at least until whatever if they go to college or whatever the hell happens right uh, john travolta probably goes to the fucking korean war or something who knows oh god <laughs> jesus what a dark turn <laughs> yeah maybe that's what happens oh and then yeah i don't know the rest of the crew just kind of rides it out through high school singing songs hooking up i don't really i don't know yeah i don't have a grand, I don't have a grand uh plan for these people mm-hmm. what about you yeah, I never, I always thought that they stood together a little while, especially with when you're not in high school, you don't have to hang out with your friends and therefore Danny Zuko doesn't have to uphold that image he does with them all the time. So I do think they last a little while. I don't know that they're perfect for each other, so I don't know how far they've gone in my yeah. mind. I haven't really thought about it that much, but for the time being, I agree with you. Yeah, that's a personality match. I didn't say perfect for each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I don't think they're soulmates. I think they're going to grow up and change even more. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to like him and Rizzo, like Danny and Rizzo. Like I'm saying that, they, they have a better match. Danny and Rizzo? Yeah, because they were together before the movie. Oh, like oh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, seems yeah. like a better match. Yeah. Uh, Kaniki and Rizzo should not be together. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> Rizzo needs time to herself. Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. So I'm just going to go a little beyond. I... Well, you know, because we watched the trailer together, that there was a Grease 2 that yes. came out in, I think, 82. Yeah. So not too, like, what is that, four or five years later? Yeah. And the trailer really tells you all you need to know about the movie. I don't think you have to watch the movie to know or guess that it bombed completely. Yeah. It was actually, it was actually directed by the choreographer of this movie, oh, Pat. Snap. And they had planned on making this a huge franchise like multiple movies but because Grease 2 was so bad and bombed so bad they just canceled all of those plans wow the creator of Grease actually disowned Grease 2 Damn. he was like that is not anything that is mine yeah. <laughs> like- <laughs> i mean i know the tra- it's tough to to go just by the trailer cuz especially old trailers just always look boring but mm-hmm. man it looked so flat yeah. And the song just seemed like rehashes, but with like no spark or creativity. Nothing at all. And then they had like a couple of people come back, but like no major characters. Yeah. But, you know, Grease as a franchise is still successful. You know, they've had the show on Broadway has had multiple revivals. Yep. Um, there's been a Grease Live uh, on Fox a couple years ago on yeah, 2016. We saw that pop up when we searched on Amazon, right? For this Grease. We saw it. It was like one of the options. I think so. I think so. I watched it live, actually. Yeah. Um, it was pretty good. The one actor in this movie that has appeared in all of the television or movie versions of Grease is Frenchie, the woman who plays Frenchie. Oh, so that's yeah. pretty cool. Cool, cool. But yeah, Grease 2 sort of ruined <laughs> any any hopes of Grease movies. But 
I just want to let you know, remember when I said I recognized the woman in Grease in the Grease 2 trailer? Yeah. That was Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, dip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. My face blindness didn't let me see that. Oh, it did not. But I did learn something new about the future of Grease. Oh, yeah? Apparently, uh, what has been greenlit as of last year, 2020, is a prequel series called Summer Lovin'. Mm. that basically follows that it it's about that summer when sandy and uh danny met i i don't know where that's going to be but john august uh was tapped to write it uh, and john's known for big fish and charlie and the chocolate factory okay. the most recent one yeah, obviously yeah. yeah and also paramount plus has greenlit a series called Grease rise of the pink ladies so two t- two titles have been greenlit in the Grease franchise. Wow. First off, I didn't know Paramount Plus was a thing. <laughs> hadn't heard of that yet. Yeah. Everything's a plus nowadays. I don't know. I don't even know where you would get I, it. Yeah, I can't, I can't even <laughs> think of that many properties at Paramount. I'm sure there are a bunch, but I can't even think of them. What is it, Transformers? I think they have that. Sure. I, I mean, Paramount Michael, has done a lot. I think they do Michael Bay stuff. Maybe. I'm just thinking of like marketable crap that they could turn into TV. Like the way with Grease, the way you could like, people know that, so then they're, we're going to make Grease TV shows. Right. That's usually what they do with these streaming things. It's like you have something, then you make something out of it. Yeah. But that's crazy. But I feel like that Summer Loving series, unless they rewrite kind of the events of this movie, wouldn't like no, none of these characters be in it because they didn't know what they were doing for the summer. Right. Yeah. It, w- it would, I, I guess it would be its own thing with new characters yeah. and only Danny and Zuko. Weird. Danny and Zuko. (laughs) (laughs) Danny and Sandy. If they do a good job, they're awesome, but I I don't know about... I have comfort in knowing I can always turn this movie on and enjoy it. exactly. Like, I don't really need... It's not going to get ruined by anything else. Exactly. You know, there's already Grease too. so (laughs) where are we going? My favorite thing is that last year, Grease, this movie, was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally historically and aesthetically significant pretty awesome i hope uh they put sister act two in there Mm. (laughs) (laughs) all right well despite how stressful the research for this movie was i'm actually very happy that you got to watch it and that i thought to bring it on the cast i actually do think i have a great chance with this movie and getting you to love it because you did mention, you know, even though you don't go to musicals, you actually do tend to enjoy them most of the time. So I do think I have a chance there. And you've expressed in the past, and I noticed this about you, is the re- your your beef with rom-coms is, yeah, the initial meet cute is all good and well. But what ha- what the, what's interesting to you is what happens after. You know, like, what are the issues that they face and how do they deal with those issues? And I think that that's what this movie is about. They have that initial romantic moment at the beach, which we kind of, like, it's established, it's already happened, and then we go into the after. So I think that 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 has a chance of luring you in right off the bat. Of course, it's fun and groovy and hilarious, and it's... It the movie tr- is a movie for adults, but even though it's a movie for everyone, it's truly a movie for adults. So I thought you would appreciate that, like that being a high school movie. Of course, I think that I also have a chance because there is a Fast and Furious moment. So I'm gonna <laughs> just pull all the chances I have <laughs> and let you know that Andy, this has all the ingredients to be a movie that you love. <laughs> so with that being said, Andy, do you love what I love? 
throwing musicals at me yes. throwing musicals making it difficult so yeah right off the bat i was talking about just how what i ended up watching in this movie was different from my perception of it i just thought it'd be like a kind of squeaky clean throwback to old american americana and american values and kind of just like almost like a musical like same tone of leave it to beaver or some shit like that totally so i was just like eh, you know skip or whatever and i kind of gave all my gripes with the plot towards like the third act of this movie and just how rushed it all feels and like i actually do think the setup is pretty good i like kind of the idea of these two people who kind of fall in love without anybody around them and then you get to see how even if you're in love your environment and people around you and kind of mm. like the life you live will affect that right and you know it's like a cool little test it's like it seems like kind of you know like just an old school like look at at relationships and class and all that the movie doesn't do like a lot with it because it's making way for songs and dance and stuff so the weakest part of it is probably the plot for me i just you know it's i don't really buy the transformation the transformation at the end there should have been like a conversation about it instead of just like look at what she is two songs <laughs> get in my flying car but having said that you know watching hearing all these songs a lot for the first time seeing john travolta delivering with john the energy all these crazy characters three the comedy galore and the parody aspect. Yeah, I kind of loved it. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah, it was fun, man. Ooh! It was fun. I can't be a grouch on this one. Like, even, again, I think it has a couple of problems, but a lot of, most movies have some problems if you're really looking for Oh, my it. God, I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Two in a row? Uh, That's... Yeah, I'm like, Yo, around. 2021 is my year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, drinks this year. Oh no. Um fuck yeah. Like I just it was so cool just seeing the energy behind it. And you could just tell everybody was having a good time. And yeah, like if you are gonna get me to like a musical, make it funny. That's usually kinda like the way that I end up falling for it. Yeah. Um like a Book of Mormon situation. Yeah, a Book of Mormon, pretty much anything those South Park guys do, you know, it's always funny, like a Joss Whedon type kind of musical. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it got me there. Yeah, I don't know. Like for everything that I thought, like, eh, that wasn't that like good or whatever. There was something else that did just as good or better that made me just be like, oh, this is fun. Like, <sighs> I was like, outside of Oh Sandy, like I was like looking for. I was like, oh, when's the next song gonna start? Like, all oh, this shit is groovy as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun. It was just like a mix of like really high octane music and then a little bit of throwback of like rockabilly. <laughs> Yeah. Old school stuff. I mean, and the fact that you even remembered, you know, some of the tunes and songs coming out of it, seeing it for the first time, yeah. I think is a tell that the music is great. Yeah, yeah. So that's, oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I just didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. Yeah. That's really what won me over was mm. the funniness. Like, yeah. I assume the songs are going to be good. I didn't think that, you know, I was going to watch that beloved musical and hate every song. I'd be mm -hmm. like, it's probably good music. I just didn't think it was going to be, like, actually funny. Right. It was just going to be, like, cutesy funny, you know? Right. <laughs> I'm so glad you're pleasantly surprised. And I'm an idiot because, I mean, actually, I'm happy I didn't tell you about this before I asked you if you love it, because maybe it would have helped you love it even more. I don't know. Who knows? But I forgot to share some fan theories oh, with you about this movie. Yeah. There are a couple of fan theories that have circulated that started on Reddit, of course. They're very interesting. All and right. I'd love to know your take on this. Go for it. So one, the first fan theory is that Sandy is dead the whole time, <laughs> like throughout this whole movie. So I don't know if you remember, but in the movie, or I guess during the first song, like Summer Nights, Sandy's talking about how 
Danny saved her life, she she almost drowned. Yeah. So the theory is that she did in fact drown, and this whole movie is a dream of what her life could have been if she had survived. <laughs> Like a Jacob's Ladder situation. You <laughs> a lot of movies. Uh, I don't know Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, I, never mind. The reason why this theory even came about is because it's so unrealistic for them to be flying in a car away. Yeah. That that's like her going to heaven. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what people thought. And I found this interesting because if you notice, the car that they're driving in is actually the car from the dream sequence of Grease Lightning. Oh, snap. Like that red car that they were working that, that's, on. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That makes her turn and wave seem way like creepier and sadder. Like, I know. Like ghosts, ghosts of Australia. And the second theory is that Danny is d- was dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the same setup and the movie is about a dream of what he would, how he would have liked his life to play out. All right. So... I find these humorous. I'd be curious. What do you think about these? I don't know. I will be honest. That is one of the most common fan theories I come across. Mm. Most Anytime there's a movie where someone almost dies, I can always find someone who's like, what if the rest of that was them? Kind of, you know, it's it's so... They're they're fun, but I've, I've kind of heard them before. But I believe they'll live in Newton-John one more than... Because if John Travolta, when would he have died? Like, unless he drowned saving her. Yeah, that's the theory. Yeah, I, they're all right, but I don't know. I don't think they're that exciting. Yeah, I agree with you. I find the Sandy one a little more believable, but like just the fact that they use the car from the dream Yeah, sequence, that's the best part. That, yeah. I feel like with fan theories, you got to have some little, a little extra touch like that. You can't just be like, Exactly. Da, 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 da. Yo, people love this, like, people are dead the whole time. Because I was reading the comments on some of these videos, and someone said, <laughs> someone even said that everyone in the movie's dead. <laughs> like, Rizzo dies from giving birth to the baby that she actually is pregnant with, and Frenchie dies from no surgery. I'm like, she didn't even have no. What are you guys talking Wait, about? So they're all having a collective fantasy. Yeah, like lost or some that shit was somebody else's theory. Right. I think that's going a little too far. Yeah, these people need to get off the internet. But when I was reading the comments, people like someone was like, "All right, guys, like just enjoy the movie. Like it's a good movie. It's just a musical. It ends in a dreamy sequence, but." Just take it for what it is. And then someone replied to that, it's more fun when they die. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got some other pl- problems yeah, to uh, deal with there. That's hilarious. But it's nice to know that the creators and the director came back and were like, no. You know, they sort of debunked this and yeah, they were like, no. It would be weird. There's no theory here. It's And what's the point? It's what, what we, we showed you. The movie's, you know, about... Like I said, two people from different walks of life getting together. Right. It's not about whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's not about what your brain goes through after you die. So this is how I know you're a loyal fan of Grease because you've denounced the theories and just enjoyed the movie for what it is. (laughs) I don't know about these crackpot reddits. Oh, man. I'm so happy you love this movie, Andy. Grease lightning. What can I say when this movie was... Ultramatic, <laughs> systematic, hy- hydromatic. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> well, uh, that's our show, ladies and gents. <laughs> oh my god, went through a whole show and I really did my Travolta impression. <laughs> oh yeah, Sandy, can you believe this? <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. <laughs> Also, if you have any opinions on what we discussed, follow us on social media at LWIL Podcast. It's a great place to find out what we'll be talking about next. 
And as always, if you have the time, please take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps. I'm Andy. And I'm Masha. And I hope you love what I love. Rocking, rolling, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs>